episode 244 and Hot Shot Scott is back. Yes. Thanks to the Graz, Dave Grosby, for sitting in for Hot Shot Scott. It should be the other way around. There's something a little bit weird about Dave Grosby filling in for you instead of you filling in for Dave Grosby. I think the Graz knows his place in this world, <laughs> and uh, I think it's perfect if I had to guess. No, it's nice to have, hear the Graz again. Graz is awesome. And as I'm waiting for you to walk through the doors, I'm reading about the front runner for Pat Sajak's job at Wheel of Fortune. Oh, yeah, he's out, right? He's out. <laughs> Wait, did he quit? He's going to quit. He's going to retire after okay. the, this coming season. So it's like a, a grand tour. He's got another like six or eight months. A grand tour where in Burbank where yeah, he yeah. records every show? Okay, <laughs> yes, fine. Yes. <laughs> Fair enough. What about yes. Vanna? Is Vanna still going to... You are going to be outraged by the front runner. Oh, no. Outraged? To be, you're going to be outraged. <laughs> I can't wait. The one person that you don't want to be the front runner for Pat Sajak's oh, job at Wheel of Fortune. The one that I don't the, want. There's one person that you would say, okay, enough of him already. He gets every job under oh, the sun. God. Do not give him yeah. that job. Yeah, it's, it's down to two, but I think I know who okay, it is. Okay, who is it down to? It's down to Ryan Seacrest. And? Michael Strahan. Let's go Ryan Seacrest <laughs> for 200, Alex. <laughs> he just, he's the most terrible human ever. What the hell is going on with Ryan? Is he the most talented guy you've ever seen? Oh. Sorry, I had to vent. That's bullshit. Give it to someone else. He has like 10 jobs. He does. He created the Kardashian show. He, he could probably just stop working today. Don't you think? Yeah, well, yeah, but I mean, yeah. like, why does he keep wanting new jobs? Why does he want Wheel of Fortune? Well, what do, do you, you want Wheel of Fortune? What does it pay? Oh, I think I think Sajak made about 15, 18, 20 million dollars a year for yeah. a lot of years. Yeah. Right. It could, I mean, yeah. I mean, why wouldn't you take that? What do you, how many shows well, you bang out on one day? He just he just quit Regis or live with Regis or whatever. It's, <laughs> it's still Regis. I guess it's not Regis anymore. <laughs> Regis and Kathy Lee. Is he just the show? quit that. <laughs> okay. Well. So now he's going to take a job at Wheel of Fortune after quitting that job. He can't stop. I don't know. He can't stop this guy. Isn't there anybody else nope. that's qualified to do these jobs nope. than nope. Ryan Seacrest? Michael Strahan, <laughs> Ryan Seacrest, and LL Cool J if you need someone to host an award show. That's Episode 244. <laughs> so you missed last week. I did, yes. Did you listen in last week? Uh, I did not, as a matter did of fact. Did not. Sorry, I just forgot. I mean, I, I only had three hours each way. So I've had the... Th there wasn't time. <laughs> I had to listen to an old Howard Stern I've heard 20 times on the way home, you know. Sorry, but go ahead. I'm listening. <laughs> I was wondering if that was going to sink in at some point. Yes, go ahead. Uh, I'm listening. And that's the show. Let's just end it right now so that it's not <laughs> a long good. show. <laughs> Episode 243 with the Gras. So you missed my story about gunshots at my restaurant. Three straight weeks where something bizarre yeah. has happened to me over the weekend. Two weeks ago, there was the... Iced tea with a splash of lemonade. I remember that story. Yep. Then last week you weren't around for it. I went to the Redmond restaurant. I went to a Redmond restaurant with my wife. And while we were waiting, gunshots. I was watching a uh, Little League All-Star game with my friend Ben. Yes. And he filled me in about the whole yes. thing. So I know all about it. Yes. I think I held the door. Why do you need? And I don't want to get political about guns or no guns. But even if you're a gun proponent. Mm hmm. Why do you need to take a gun to an Italian restaurant at 630 in Redmond, Washington on a Friday night? What do you need it in your pocket for? Can't you leave that thing in the trunk? Does it have to be with you <laughs> the at the Italian restaurant? 
I, I think you're focusing on the restaurant, which you don't need to. I think it's just wherever they go. Like, I, if somebody carries a gun, they carry a gun. See, whether I'm going that. to the I public library, whether I'm going to eat. Really? I'm going swimming. Really? Uh, where, I don't know. But wherever, Is that true? I think so. If, I mean, if, if you someone who has the concealed carry permit, you just yeah. carry it where you go. Forget the restaurant. Like, yeah, just wherever I go, I have it on me, I think. I thought a lot of people just leave it at home. Well, what's the point of having it if it's at home and you, somebody well, you, 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 tries to carjack you? Oh, so people actually walk. So when I'm in the grocery store, yes. the guy in the next aisle looking at the Cheetos, he has a gun in his pocket? Yeah, keep your mouth shut once in a while. And say, <laughs> <laughs> maybe, uh, maybe you'll be spared. Yeah, okay. they're everywhere. All right. It's weird when you go to Arizona. There, there's no, uh, I don't know, open carry. You don't have to have a permit. I see guys with sweatpants, big... Big rocket hanging out of their pants, really? just kind of flopping around as they're walking around. All right, yeah. so this doesn't surprise you. No, no, no. And the I, gun goes off accidentally. That's surprising. An 83-year-old gets hit. Oh, God. The restaurant closes. We never get our table. We were first on the wait list when it happened. <laughs> God. We worked our way up. I mean, we were like 9th, 10th, 11th. Yeah. It was a little restaurant in Redmond, and we got to number one. And I know that because when I walked in back across the street to say, hey, what's going on? It's been 30 minutes. Uh -huh. They said, you're number one, Mr. Levy. Would you like to stay here right now? I said, I got to go get my wife. She's also across the street. And I think at that point, I opened the door and somebody walked in. The somebody who walked in as oh. I walked out. Gosh. The gun went off. Insane. Why the, the safety's gun not went on? Off. Yeah. Like, there's just a lot of questions, right? It's, yeah. That's I, insane. So you, but, you probably would ask better questions than I would ask, but typically, yes. Um, was there um, <laughs> was there any charges filed or do? We yes. Know? The guy went to jail. Oh, he did. Yeah. yeah. Turns yeah. out you can't uh, discharge negligence. Firearms. They call they called it negligence. Yeah. I mean, I don't know that he's in jail now, but at one point he got we, arrested. And yeah. by the way, he walked out. Right after oh, we didn't off. hang around to like, oh, no, no, the, the, the cops oh. started pulling up and they're running down the streets looking for the guy. Oh. It went off accidentally, but he did walk out and they had to go find him. And finally, I think an hour or two later, they found him or he turned himself in oh. and he was charged with negligence, whatever, with a firearm. I don't know what that charge. Is. I mean, yeah, Mr. Johnson for table of four. I mean, we had his name. It's like not going to be hard to track him down. Right. Right. <laughs> right. Oh, that's crazy uh. that he took off. So I had. Ugh. Iced tea with a splash of lemonade two weeks ago. <laughs> yeah. I had a gun going off last week. And then this week, uh -oh. this weekend, I spent a, a day or two in Burlington, Washington. Do you know Burlington? Oh, beautiful this time of year. Sure. You don't know Burlington. I Washington. know the McDonald's. We hit that uh, Piper and I coming back from Ferndale all I the time. I think there's a few. <laughs> yeah. There might be a few there's McDonald's. one right off the freeway there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I know exactly where it is. So sure. you know Burlington, For basketball, Washington. Of yeah. Course, yeah. Yeah. My son and I, who went for a, a baseball tournament, of course, that he didn't play in because he's got a broken finger, but we spent the day and a half in, in Burlington. We decided to go to a movie on Saturday night. Have okay. you ever been in a movie on a Saturday night? <laughs> yes. Where they show you the previews. It's one preview after the next preview. Everybody loves previews. Yeah. But after like the ninth one, and they're all Marvel series movies. <laughs> yeah, you're a little out. tired. <laughs> Have you ever, after the after the previews end, the lights go back on up and the projector goes off? Has that ever happened? No. Well, it happened. Oh, no. We waited five minutes. We waited seven minutes. <laughs> we waited 10 minutes. Yeah. And then the woman, the representative of the theater, had to take that walk of shame down the aisle in front and say... Ladies and gentlemen, we're having a problem with, with the projector. It's not loading. Yeah. The movie's not loading. You can have your money back. We're sorry for the inconvenience. Ugh, rough. I'm going to movies for 45 years. I don't think that's ever happened before. When I was a kid, we went to see something called Condor Man. 
Yeah. Terrible. And it went out about, a, I don't know, a quarter of the way in. Oh. But we're like there. In the, in the middle of the Yeah, movie. in the middle yeah. of it. Yeah, they didn't start. We're yeah. there. So, of course, my mom's like, well, let's just go. This one starts soon. It's called One Dark Night. Scared the shit out of me. It was an R-rated horror movie that I shouldn't have been in at five. Well, they all did. Thanks, Mom. They did. They actually <laughs> did present us with the opportunity of going to another movie, which all had started. Probably be the last time you and your son have time to go to a movie together. So I hope you enjoy your time together with your with your teen son who's not getting any younger. I'm not sure that he was all eager spending a night with his dad. But he uh, told me he sabotaged the uh, film upstairs. He, he wanted out. Stabbed he it with his switchblade. And by the way, this comes after, you know, they're giving me my money back for the $28 to go to see a movie for two people. But what about the water and popcorn for 17 <laughs> that we're sitting there with? Yeah, that sucks. 17 bucks for a water and popcorn. Yeah. But I wasn't going to be the guy who said after they offered to refund our money for the for the tickets. Yeah. How about the water and the popcorn <laughs> yeah, for 17 bucks? Can't do that. So. It's just a corporate loss right there, friend. It's just three weeks in a row. Weird stuff. Yeah. This is what happens when you don't leave the house for three years in a row. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the out in society gods are punishing you for never going out. Oh. That's it. Mitch Unfiltered is available on all podcast platforms, ladies and gentlemen. Subscribe and rate us, please, on Apple. Also, did you know that we host several weekly short-form shows available to to Mitch Unfiltered patrons at a cost of $5 a month. You get the peace shows with Danny O'Neill. You get shooting the shit with Slick, Matt Miklas. You get the Mariners No Table every week with Jason Churchill and Joe Doyle. If the $5 is legitimately a problem for you and you are craving more content, just email me, Mitch at MitchUnfiltered.com, and I will set you up. Okay? Just that easy. Stump the band. Oh, boy. This is my specialty, so go ahead. Baseball trivia. It's getting colder. Camden Yards. Have you ever been to Camden Yards? I have not. Oh, maybe the coolest modern day baseball mm. stadium of them all. Utah Street over there in right field. You're aware of the warehouse in, in right field? Nothing but the back of the warehouse for Ken Griffey Jr. Ken Griffey Jr. is yeah. the only guy. I think he did it in the, uh, the home run. The home run that, yeah, hit, yeah. that flew it. Up against the uh, the warehouse on the fly. Oh, yeah. Others, anybody who drives it over the right field wall and it lands on Utah Street, they get a plaque. If you go see Camden Yards, oh, you'll cool. see little plaques all over the wall, all over the oh, that's awesome. the, the ground, all over the floor. You'll see this guy did it on this date. This ball landed here on this date from this guy. Mm. So everybody who's ever done it is... It's commemorated with a plaque. Well, Camden Yards, were they kind of the first one to build that throwback style that Safeco car? The first okay, one. Okay, that's what I was wondering. They, it's Jacob's first, Field, I think, looks like that. It's the first of the throwbacks. Okay. Exactly yeah. right. Gotcha. Exactly right. Well, you may know, you may not know, since you're Piper Free this weekend, uh -huh. that Cal Raleigh hit one over the right field wall, oh. over everything, and onto Utah Street, and it one-hopped up against the, wow. the warehouse. He's probably the best guy named Cal to play in that park, right? No, not quite. He's not, okay. No, just, not quite. I can't think of any other. He becomes the third Mariners in the history of the Mariners organization to hit one that landed on Utah Street. The third. You know the first. Yep. Number 24, Ken Griffey Jr., who uh, did it in, in a game and also did it in the home run derby, obviously, like I think everybody else did. Yeah, yeah. But there's only one other. So it's Cal Raleigh and Ken Griffey Jr. There's only one other Mariner in the long and illustrious sort of 
history of the Seattle Mariners, there's only one other Mariner who hit it onto Utah Street. It's got to be a lefty, I assume, right? You would guess it's a yes. lefty. Okay, I can think of one, but it's Ichiro with that power. No? If he wanted to, he That's could. <laughs> he loved that routine. <laughs> I know. Oh, boy. It's Mariner. exactly who you would think. Sam Haggerty. Yes, exactly. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> wow. I'm looking at my list, and I had him at 1,292nd. <laughs> Potential Mariner to do that. Ken Griffey Jr., yep. Cal Raleigh, and Sam Haggerty, the wow. only three Mariners in the history of the organization to fly the ball onto Utah Street over the right field wall at Camden. I had him just above Dan Haggerty as far as <laughs> guys that were going to hit Grizzly it out. Adams? Yeah, that's the only Haggerty I know. <laughs> is that Grizzly Adams? It is Grizzly Adams. Oh, Don't God. play dumb. Of course you know it's Grizzly Adams. <laughs> wow, good for him. Oh. How are the Mariners doing? Give me a quick update, or do you want to wait for that? Okay, sounds good. I'd really like to do a Mariner-free podcast. Is that right? Okay. All right. I'm getting tired of the same old shenanigans with the Mariners. The Mariners won two games on this six-game road trip in Baltimore, in New York. They scored 10 or more runs in both of those games, back-to-back, and then lost every other game. (laughs) Wow. Hot and cold, huh? Sheesh. Yeah, I've sort of checked out a bit. I hate Still to say, two but. games under 500 now through 76 games. Two games as we all just wait and wait well, and early, wait for know. the run. It's early, We're man. waiting for the run. Yeah. When is the run going to come? The run had happened at this point. Like it started last year, right? When did it kind of kick off? It was before the All-Star break. Yes. Yes. Well, it was 29 and 39 when they went on the, the season-ending run, but they went on a 14-game win streak. They were in, a, in the middle of a 14-game win streak at this moment last year. Wow. Remember, it was right before the All-Star right. break. Yep. In fact, I think it went right into the All-Star break. It did, if I remember correctly. Maybe yeah. the 14th game, maybe they lost the first game out of the All-Star break, but the 14th game in a row might have been the game right before. Somebody can correct me if I'm wrong, but it was leading into the All-Star I think game. you're right, because then Julio did the home run derby, kind of got sure hurt, did. and then they He's going to do it again this year, did yeah, you hear? I saw that, yeah. yeah. How do we feel about that? Whatever. <laughs> okay. I know that anybody who's going to it feels pretty good. Yeah. Like my sons, they're going to the home run derby together. Nice. So they would not want to go to a home run derby that didn't have Julio in Seattle. Yeah, fair enough. So I think that there's probably a lot of people that are excited about it. But I'm like, how about just win some games? Yeah, it'd be nice. How about get to five or six or seven games over 500 and give me something to cheer about the last half of the season. Doing a hell of a job on the Mariner Free podcast today, by the way, I must say. Good job, everybody. Sorry. (laughs) Guests on this episode 244, since we're not talking Mariners. How about if we talk Sonics? Oh, I like it. There's a guy who writes for The Athletic. He's a he's a national NBA writer, but he covers like the new television contract that the NBA is working out with the uh, TV executives. He covers expansion. He's been writing about those stories for a for a few months now. His okay. name is Mike Vorkanov. And I thought, let's get Mike on to tell us when we can expect truly to go back to NBA basketball in Seattle and he's going to tell us when he's going to give us a date and a year a hard date a hard date and it well he's not going to give us a hard date it depends on what opening night a is hard year a hard year he's going to give you a hard alcohol <laughs> a hard Mike Vorkanov nice he's going to tell us when the TV deal is going to get done first and that's going to be like a 75 billion dollar television slash digital deal which is going to, of course, drive up the price for expansion 
It's going to make the the Seattle team like four and a half, five billion dollars just to have a team. Wow, that's going to happen. But he's going to tell us the process from here to there when he thinks a a team will be awarded to Seattle, and then when will be opening night at probably the Climate Pledge Arena for the new Seattle Supersonics. Segment number one. Guest segment number one, Mike Vorkanov. No Mariners. Okay. Sonics. Good. I'm ready. Sonics are replacing the Mariners in segment number one. Now, here's segment number two. Her name is Laura Carney. She's an author of a new book called My Father's List. Okay. She lost her dad in a car crash in 2003. He was the victim of a 17-year-old high school student who was on her phone texting when she was driving. Okay. She lost her dad in that car accident. Many years later, she and her brother found a handwritten bucket list that he wrote in 1976. 60 things that she never knew existed. He never knew existed. I guess the mother knew existed. But this father had done a 60-item bucket list, things he wanted to accomplish before he died, that he wrote in 1976. And he actually kept it in his wallet a lot. In fact, it was on him during the crash. 1976 he wrote a bucket list? He wrote it in 76. Now... They found it in like 2013 or 16 or whatever. Okay. In his handwriting, he had accomplished six of the 60 things. Wow. There were 54 more things that he wanted to do in his life that he didn't get a chance to do because of this terrible accident. Yeah. Laura Carney decided, okay, I'm doing all 54 of them. Wow. And then she wrote a book as she went along of what each of them were like and how she was connected to her dad and how difficult a lot of them were. He wanted to skydive. A lot right. of them were sports. He wanted to go to Super Bowl, wanted to go to a Rose Bowl. She didn't know anything about sports. Right. He wanted to run a marathon in Los oh, Angeles. I have like, to do that yeah, one too. I can't do like 57 of them. She said she puked all over herself <laughs> when she was uh, skydiving. I would do. I would do. I and don't she could it. hear her dad laughing in the background because oh. he was like, an amateur stand-up guy he went on to one of the six things that he did was go up on stage and do stand-up wow yeah so she wrote a book incredible about her father's list great guest and it's a it's a it's a good you know me and yeah 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 yeah. that whole thing yeah no i can't wait to hear that she did the other 54 things now she had to cheat on a couple of them okay like one of them was he wanted to play golf in the 70s Oh. Well, she never played golf before, right. so how am I going to shoot in the 70s? So she decided, that must mean temperature, right? Nah, I'll like go it. out and play golf in the 70s. Can't play in the decade. <laughs> Can't play with oh, the score. listen to this one. Oh, I, I'm probably giving it away. Cable TV. One this, day I'll have cable this is a TV. Great, this is great because there's some karma to this. He wrote in 1976 on this list that he wanted to have a chat with the president. Who was the president in 1976? Oh, my gosh. Uh, 76. That yes. was right before Carter won in 80. 76. Jimmy Stop. Carter oh, was well, the president. Oh, yeah. He got elected in 76. That's and right. He happens to still be alive so she could check that. So he she goes down to Georgia and Unreal. says, my dad had on a bucket list and somebody set it up for them and she had a chat with Jimmy Carter. She checked it off the Amazing. list. Amazing. Thank God he stayed alive all these years. <laughs> Thank you, Jimmy. <laughs> Well, that's a great guess. I can't wait to hear it. Yeah. Will you listen? No, probably not. If I have a road trip longer than four <laughs> hours. It's only about 20 minutes, will. for we'll God's see. sakes. And then uh, guess number three, I said I'd never do it, but I'm breaking my rule. Okay. I said I would never do a guest that dives deep into politics. 
Okay. But I had to. Guess number three, Auburn City Council candidate, <laughs> Tracy Taylor. <laughs> she has announced her, that she is running for the City Council of Auburn, and we're going to talk to the— Wow. <laughs> we're, we're doing politics on the show. I saw, like, some cryptic message from her about something big coming. Ain't cryptic anymore. And I forgot to go back and check and what it was. she's going right after the incumbent. Really? Yeah. She's going to hit him? Going right at him. It's getting ugly already? Yep. yep. Rolling in the mud. She's hoping that uh, he was not a listener of Mitch in the Morning many years ago. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Who's her? Does she have a running mate? Is it Kenny B? There's no running <laughs> mate. She's running for city council. Okay, fine. What is she know. running for president? Yes. There's no running mate. The president of Auburn. Yes. Anyway, I, I figured we had to call off the politics rule yeah, for guests and have. Course. But then I asked her, and I guess I should. Do I owe him the incumbent equal time on the podcast? And can we set up maybe a little... Oh, like a debate. Yes. And you can moderate it. Yeah. Oh, that would be awesome. That would be so funny. Like, are there hard-hitting issues? Yes. Oh, there are. Yes. In Auburn? Yes. The wow. economy of Auburn. The downtown area. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Joe Withy, you're out at the old racetrack. You're not bringing in the money like you I said you would. I don't know. I don't know what the issues are. I don't know either. I can't wait to hear that. <laughs> So that's like a full-time job, city council? I don't know. You're asking me. Okay, what, Do I look like I know about the Auburn City Council? <laughs> or anything the only thing I know, <laughs> The only thing I know is there's no running mate. Okay. <laughs> that you know for sure. <laughs> I also know that there's no episode 244 of Mitch Unfiltered without our partners, like Zeke's Pizza, celebrating a complete makeover of their new mobile app. Remote ordering has gotten easier than ever. Download and try it. Zeke's Pizza, homegrown in the Northwest. John Waterstrat, Fireside Home Solutions. The flagship Bellevue location, a big facelift. It's terrific. Whether it's a brand new fireplace inside or out or garage doors, begin your search at firesidehomesolutions.com. The Woodenville Office of Cross Country Mortgage. If you go by everything that you read about interest rates and the Fed, no one would ever buy a house, but they do because of people like Jordan Flowers and their cross country mortgage team in Woodenville. If you're buying a home, a second home, an investment piece, just give Jordan a call. 425 890 2957. 425 890 2957. When you think about Daniel's broiler, the first thing that comes to mind. The best steaks in the world, prepared perfectly, and the over-the-top pampering and service from the moment you walk through the doors. But don't forget, outdoor dining at Daniel's Broiler, on the deck at Leshy, the seaplanes at South Lake Union, overlooking the world at Bellevue Place, danielsbroiler.com. Evergreen Golf Call, tax advisors, certified financial planners, experienced portfolio managers working together to bring retirement planning taxes and investments under one roof, evergreengk.com. More than just a financial advisor, Evergreen is everything wealth. Okay, episode 244, Hot Shot is back, and it begins right now. Unfiltered. You look at Texas, and you look at Anaheim, and you look at the Yankees, and you look at the Dodgers, and you look at the Braves. How many of those teams that are true World Series contenders have two guys at least, two all-star, two everyday all-star players? Unfiltered. They're going to have to pay Logan Gilbert, and they're going to have to pay George Kirby. Both of those guys in about three years are going to come calling for $200 million, 250 
multi-million dollar contracts. In your heart of hearts, do you think when that happens, the Mariners will sign both of them? Mitch is unfiltered. Is it a Mariner-free episode 244? Have I already blown that by talking about the two 10-run games and the two and four road trip and the two games under 500? Speaking of road trips, you know, I went to Portland a couple weeks ago. But yes, you, you went to Milwaukee, Oregon, didn't well, you? Yeah, they, they played in Milwaukee, Oregon. Yes, yes. And we stayed in that? something called Tigered, Oregon. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. I know that. We uh, wandered over to the mall to get dinner, Piper and I, one night. And we went to Din Tai Fung, which we've talked about on here before, Yes, right? yes, we have. The founder... Passed away a couple of months ago That's at the right. age of like 98, yes? Yeah, yeah. So we're ordering our to-go order, and they just give you the... It, it's in Chinese, though. They're like, There's no price. You can't see what you're ordering on the little to-go form. Yeah. But we're starving, and we're just like... It looks like a... Why not eat in the restaurant? Because there's like a two-and-a-half-hour wait? Uh, there was a big wait, plus we've got a hotel suite. So she gets the back room, I get the front room. A new season of Black Mirror dropped. Like, I ain't got time to sit in a restaurant. I, Wait I a second, get back you guys are in a suite in Tigard, Oregon? Well, it's embassy suites. They're all suites. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Okay, so, Yeah, it's, it, it's not the Ritz-Carlton uh, or anything, but uh, she gets the back room, I get the front room. And all right. Her and I love watching TV and eating. It's I've really raised her wrong that way. Okay. Like, she literally will look for a show for 20 minutes before she takes a bite of food. Like, she'll wait until she has something. Anyway, so we're filling so it. this is just father and daughter. Father, daughter, in yeah. In Tigard, Oregon. Yeah. At the Embassy Suites. That's right. With Din Tai Fung. And you guys are going to watch the same thing, or she's no. going to be in her quarters watching, yeah. and you're going to be in your quarters That's watching. That's the point, is that she gets the back room okay. with the All beds. Right. I get All the front with the each have our own TV, whatever. Yes, I'm ready. We're I got ordering. The yes. We're ordering. I mean, we're, yeah. we're starving. We're crossing shit off, and who knows what it's going to cost. So I said to her, all right, I'll go pay for the $80 worth of stupid dumplings, and I get up there, and it was a one oh seven thirty two for two of us. <laughs> You must, you must have gotten the soup-filled dumplings. <laughs> the, the, the worst part was when it was ready to go. $105 yeah. in Tigard, Oregon? The worst part was when we, they gave us our order and they said, Piper's standing there, and they said, did you want any utensils? And I was like, sure, I'd love it because we're in a hotel. I was like, sure, we'll take two. Piper's like, why'd you say two? You should have said like four or five. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> They're going to think we're the fattest people on earth. <laughs> You and her hit $105? Yeah. Wasn't tough to do. I mean, we had some wow. but it wasn't hard to do. Because, you know, the, everything looks good. Oh, chicken, shrimp, the humbout. You know, it's just, it's all good. And you're just crossing stuff And how'd you do? Did you guys pile it away? We did We did shockingly good. <laughs> I mean, we, we didn't have a ton of leftovers. You, you, uh, you can't go to a place like that starving, which we both were. Like, now, should, got we, it all. should we discuss on this episode 244, Piper's former Little League All-Star team, the softball All-Star team, or should we not discuss the latest controversy and drama of District 9? I saw you this week. The weirdest thing in my life is was walking see, into Beaver Lake Park and seeing Levy standing there watching a girl's softball game. Isn't it weird just to see me anywhere outside of this house? Remember the first time you saw like a teacher or like a bus driver in public? You're like, wait a minute, the bus driver has legs? Holy shit. That's how I felt when I saw you watching a softball game. It's so weird. I'm watching a 12-year-old softball yeah. game, enjoying myself in peace. Uh -huh. I turn around and who's walking in with Jesus, shades? Weird. Can't you give it up? I thought she's no, out of I, that. I can't clearly give it up. Yeah, I can't. No, and it was fun. It was because uh, two of the kids from the World Series team are playing, and so we're all yeah. a big, you know, on the Issaquah team. On the Issaquah. Now team. I was there not to see the Issaquah team because the Issaquah team I think was playing on a field adjacent, far away. Yep. Wasn't I right? Yep, yep. I was there to see the Sammamish team. You were, yes, because my golfing partner 
in the uh, two ball best ball or whatever you want to call it best ball at Aldero. We play together. His daughter is the first baseman ah. of the Sammamish Little League softball all star team. I think I'm saying it right. Yeah, the major. She's an 11 year old. Yep who I guess will be able to play, will be eligible to play again next year. But they, I've been hearing on the golf course. <laughs> yeah, go on. I have been hearing for months yeah. about this particular team. Ever since we chronicled your trip to the Little League World Series last year, yeah. I have been hearing about this Sammamish team yeah. that's going to come right on the heels of your Issaquah team oh, really? and go right back to, where is it, Greenville, Greenville North, Car- North Carolina. I have heard so much about this team. <laughs> First of all, what kind of a dick would talk nonstop about their kids' all-star team? <laughs> <laughs> and may- <laughs> Maybe, now he's probably listening, maybe I brought it out of him, maybe I'm I sure asked questions, yeah, yeah, maybe yeah. it's all about me. No one loved it more than me, I'm taking but a shot. Out of myself. But I figured <laughs> I figured after hearing about this for the last six months that once District 9 came up, I should go up there and see sure. for myself yeah. this buzzsaw of a Sammamish softball Little League team. Sure. What'd you think? And th- the game I saw, they won like 16 nothing. Yeah, yeah. And the game before that, they won like 12 nothing. They mercyed everybody. And then I figured I could go to Burlington, Washington in peace, knowing <laughs> that my favorite softball team was going to be in good hands. You know, adults in the Issaquah, Sammamish area cannot control themselves. And there's going to be drama. <laughs> I figured. You know that. That there was peace on the plateau. <laughs> yes, there always is. And I could go to Burlington, Washington yeah. to watch a baseball tournament where my son doesn't play because of his finger. <laughs> right. Go stay in a hotel, spend oh, money. Money well spent, yeah. Yeah, lots of restaurants. Sure. Go down to the waterfront mm. in Bow in Bow, Washington sure. to Taylor's Shellfish. Yeah, nice. Spend a lot of money. Not as much as you paid at Din Typhon. No. All to watch a baseball tournament where my son was not playing. <laughs> he was the first base coach with his broken oh, finger. Oh, good for him. I figured I could do all those things yeah. in peace because we knew. Sammamish has this thing wrapped up. It's yep. not going to be a problem. All the adults are going to get along. Coaches yep. are going to get along. That's right. And then um, all hell breaks loose. <laughs> I mean, I can't even do anything about it. I'm in a Burlington Holiday Inn Express. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I'm sitting in a Burlington Holiday Inn Express yeah. in my double bed with my son yeah. with his headphones on so he can't listen to dad sure. right next to me. And I'm getting texts about all hell breaking loose. What, ha- yeah. what the hell happened? There was a little gamesmanship, a little Seve Ballast. Steros, what happened? So Issaquah's best pitcher has been kind of hurt throughout the tournament. Yes. It's not clear whether she was going to play against Sammamish. Yes. So before the game, this by the way, this is not my story. This yes, is not it my is. drama. This I'm, is I have your no, story. I have no kid on this team. <laughs> this is all hearsay. So allegedly, like the coaches got together before the game. Just is anybody in our audience going to find this moderately interesting? I need to know that before we start. Yeah, I think Can so. you make this I'll, I'll do somewhat interesting? All right. Because we're all parents of kids. Exactly. I mean, that played sports. So let's go. Ahead. We all know adults ruin everything. You got to understand, I got you coming in on one text and I yeah. got I got the first baseman's dad and assistant <laughs> coach coming in on the other text. Remember, the first baseman's dad and the assistant coach, he carries me in the best ball. So don't call him a nincompoop. Okay, got Because you. if you call him a nincompoop one more time, he may dump me off the best. We're the defending champs, <laughs> oh boy, for God's sake. Go ahead. All right, so, so Issaquah has their, their ace pitcher. Their, the best pitcher on their team has been hurt for most of the tourney. Before the game, the coaches are talking to each other like, yeah, I don't think she's going to be able to go. Via text. No, no, they're on the field talking to each other like dirt, before warm-ups. Oh, because because they're all friendly because there's club softball and, and they're right next their neighbor everyone knows everyone it's like in North softball. Carolina and Duke they're, they're right next to each other they're, they're like literally friends they're yes. all friends yes. they know yeah yeah she's not probably won't go she's hurt oh. um, our number two pitcher can't go because she pitched seven innings the game before I thought you're allowed to go back and back to back in softball 
You can't pitchers. go more than six. If you go six innings, you can pitch 100 days in so a row. So the second one can't pitch the at all. The first one's got first a, one's banged a dislocated up. kneecap or something that I hear. Their knee's bad. I don't yeah. know. They're, they're basically kind of laughing like, you're going to mercy us. It'll be fun. God knows who we're going to pitch. Forfeit, maybe. Yeah, just it's probably going to be a mercy. <laughs> the kid ends up wanting to give it a try. As my nincompoop teammate would say, yeah. Willis Reed comes limping out onto the, onto sure the field did. when everybody expected that Willis Reed wasn't pitching. Willis Reed struck out 10 that game. With a bum knee. And they won 2-1 to one as a And they upset the world. They upset yes. Sammamish after telling Sammamish. That juggernaut uh, lost 2-1. to one. Did you just take a shot? To an injured pitcher, yes. You just took a shot. I did, as a Now, did she pull her knee brace off and throw it in the middle of the <laughs> Like, yes. for drama? Did I hear that right? So, the, the ugliest part about it is that the coaches of Issaquah were accused of Lying, being dishonest, same thing. Sandbagging a little bit. Yeah. And playing mind games with 11 correct. and 12 year old girls. No, no. Well, with the coaches, because it's the coaches didn't have to tell the kids. I can tell you that they were accused of playing <laughs> mind games with 11 and 12 year old girls. Which is, is so funny because the head coach of Issaquah, I know him a little bit. I coached his daughter, I know his wife. If there was one coach on earth who was not going to stay up late devising a plan to yeah. be dishonest, it's this guy. But you're kind of in the bag for them. Let me just call it what it is. But listen, I would say that about other coaches that, oh, I could see them doing this. Maybe the one we had last year. He likes to win <laughs> at no cost. There's plenty of coaches that I know who would. This guy. So you think this is these accusations are ludicrous? He was so hurt, this coach of Issaquah, that they would suggest that he devise some plan. Was to he be, hurt? Oh, he was, if anything, he could stand to have a little more of that gamesmanship. Yeah. He's, he's Seve. Seve used to jingle the chains. This guy, yeah. yeah. This guy's Mr. Good Vibes. Don't yell at the umps. Don't even yell at your kids during games. It's all positivity. Really? The guy's wife and daughter wrote a kid's book about mental health. Like, that's who they are. Okay. He's the last guy on earth so why that's going to do that. The other coaching staff must know this, though, about that think, guy. Yes. So, why would, did they feel betrayed? Because they're betrayed. poor sports and they're babies. <laughs> and for some reason, their whole game plan was planning on her not pitching. Just go hit the ball off whoever's pitching. Yeah. yeah. I mean, come on. What, really? Okay. Okay. Now, this is alleged. This is alleged. I actually texted the girl's dad on the way here, to, and he hasn't written me back. Quas Willis dad. Reed. Yes, Willis Reed's dad. Yeah. I texted him and I haven't heard back. Now, allegedly, yes. the Sammamish coaches sent a letter that said, we respectfully request that Willis Reed does not receive any medical attention in the dugout during the game. They didn't want anyone working on her, helping her. Why? But why is right? She's a kid. Now, she has a physical therapist whose daughter is on the team. So he was the one working with her throughout the day to try to get her healthy. And they made yeah. it clear. Well, they did a hell of a job getting her out there. That guy better not come in the dugout and help her. bullets. 10K is not bad. But he... Complete game, right? Sh shut out, too. Um, no, no, it was two to one. Two to one. Yeah. What maniac, if true, would write a letter like that to say she better not see receive any medical atten attention during the game? Who would write that about a kid? God, I hope it's not my part. I hope it's not my part. So do I, because that's really <laughs> bullshit, and it's Bush League. So what if she gets heat stroke? Is the rule still on? Like, we, uh -huh. we shall not help her? I mean, okay. what All is right. happening so, with those people on the so, plateau? They're maniacs. So fast forward, Ugh. and I'm telling you, I'm not going to Burlington, Washington anymore because I'm afraid what's going to happen <laughs> you can't behind turn me. your back. No, we can't okay? be trusted. This is like me and the restaurant at Redmond. As soon as I walked out, gunfire, gunshots. This is exactly yeah, the same yeah. thing. I leave the plateau. For three minutes, and you people can't get along. <laughs> now no, we cannot. I go to Burlington, Washington, and I'm hearing about all this. We lost two to one. You're saying we won two to one. I'm hearing both sides of the story. But all that means is 
There's a rematch right. because Issaquah had already lost one and Sammamish, of course, based on my knowledge, yeah. had just run through and they're going to go to the Little League World Series, for God's sakes. Turns out they had to play again the next day. And what happened? Sammamish got them for nothing. We won! They'll be 1-2 barbecue now, in the state tournament and I look forward to it. What do you mean? They'll be two and out at the state tournament. And I'm, and I'm going to be there for it, rooting the whole way against them. So Hold much. on a second. You're going to the state no, tournament? No, I'm not going to. <laughs> if it was, it's in Vancouver, so, Wait a second. but if it was near, so you, I might go. So now you're, you're anti-Semit. You're now. Anti, you're anti my favorite. Now. My favorite Little League softball team. You've never heard me yell and rail against my, Skyline since I've been on this podcast. You've got to understand. people. My favorite all-time baseball player is mm -hmm. Dale Murphy. You've yep. heard me tell you that before. The yeah, Atlanta yeah. Braves. My two favorite women's softball players of all time are Piper <laughs> and the current first baseman of the Sammamish Little League World. You, you You're torn. I got you. I I'm got not you. torn. Issaquah's out. They are out. What, yes. to, what am I torn? I'm not torn. And by the way, I had no allegiance to Issaquah after Piper graduated and moved on. Fine. That's fine. I happen to love the first baseman of the Sammamish Little League She's World. probably a great kid. Oh. Yeah, nice kid. Lefty. The yeah. whole thing. The whole thing is so sad because both teams, like everyone knows each other. They're all on the same club teams and they've oh. neighbor. Everyone knows everyone. So the fact that did it got Willis, ugly is so yeah, sad. We've buried the lead. Did yeah. Willis Reed pitch the next game? She did. With the dislocated kneecap? Yep. She didn't have it, did she? She had it through four. She had it through four. Shut out through four. You went to the night. Did of you go? Course. <laughs> I can't stay away. I thought there was going to be a fight and there almost was afterwards. There, um, there was some ugliness. After which game? After the championship game. Still hard feelings. Well, the dad who's the physical therapist confronted one of the coaches in the dugout of Sammamish. God. I know. I don't know which one it was. Is it my nincompoops partner or not? I actually don't want to know because you're friendly know. with him. I don't Friendly with him? He carries me. <laughs> he carries me to the promised land. He's a stick. So from what I heard. I finally have a good partner. And for all you other partners that are listening right now, that's right. I finally had a good partner. All you other people were pieces of shit. I got a partner. And now we're alienating him. Wasn't Sigma your partner at one point? He's a piece, piece of, of shit. shit. <laughs> you 6'11 turd. You suck. <laughs> I finally got a partner, and yeah. now we're alienating him on the podcast. It, maybe and he's it a huge him. fan of the podcast. Oh, great. I heard a coach and the physical therapist who was helping her, because he knew about the alleged letter that was sent. And so he was just got in that coach's face, and his uh, wife had this to is a, stop. And, can't the neighbors and the no. – what's going on up to – do we need to do a Real Housewives of, of the Plateau? Yes. As a matter of fact, we do. Issaquah Skyline What's going is on just, over there? Issaquah versus Sammamish is just – God. I know. If anybody up there is listening, I've got the remedy. Listen to Mitch Lee. If anybody with hard feelings from up there, and I know at least one person is listening, <laughs> there might be others. If anybody who is aware of the Issaquah Plateau, Sammamish, all the stuff we're talking about, I've got a perfect answer to the problem. Okay. Move down here where we suck. <laughs> That's true. Well, all of our teams <laughs> suck. Stop being good, yes. Okay? Where we have no shot to go anywhere. So we don't have these these problems. Wait till you hear this. Wait till you hear this latest. Oh, Jesus. The, the latest sort of eh, rumblings are that we may get the band back together for the juniors next year. That's the one above majors. There's still a little league above majors. I thought there's an, an intermediate first. Mm, it goes majors and then juniors. Okay, okay that's in softball. But the, in, softball, right? In baseball, we had an intermediate. Okay, team. so that, that's the, the four, they're 14. They're trying to win the whole country thing. 14-15. Yeah. Four, yeah. So now yeah. we're trying to pu pull this off. And you know what happened with our team. That was insanely ugly. But now there's rumblings what of... What was uglier? What happened this past weekend? Oh, or this, what happened between you and your... Uh, this past weekend is a three. 
compared to what went so on. So how can you year. get the band back together? It'll you be can't. my my best work ever. It'll be my best work ever if I somehow convince everyone to play. And by the way, don't forget, all you have to do is win districts and you go right to the World Series because District 9 hosts the World Series. So all you got to do is win one tournament again against three crappy district teams. You sit back, you wait for everyone to fight it out at state and regionals, and you're in the World Series. So we're not, Issaquah's not done yet with the World Series. I have Series. one final question for you before we end this. <laughs> Just to ensure we all this, hate each other this, for sure next year. And I'm sure that's why people love Mitch Unfiltered. They were expecting this yeah, exactly. in segment number one. Yeah, the well, Mariners. the Mariners are still two games under 500. Yeah. What could I tell you? you tell, tell the Mariners to start playing better, and we'll get back to them in segment one. I have one last question, and I want a heartfelt answer. Okay. If you should be wrong about my beloved Sammamish Little League softball team. Yeah. And my favorite first baseman. And they go to states and they surprise you and they're not they're not only not two and out. Mm -hmm. One two barbecue, yeah. One two barbecue. <laughs> they win the state. Okay. Now I'm worried cuz I think regionals is easier than states. Yeah, that's what everybody tells me. Yeah. But worried is that then you answered my question. Yeah. You're not going to pull for them? They're now representing the state of Washington in San Bernardino, California, where teams have gone and never come back. San Bernardino, California, where little league <laughs> teams for years, like Kirkland oh, and, yeah, yeah. and Mercer Island, have been going for years. Yeah, it's tough. You're not going to pull for your neighbors, the Sammamish? I don't know if I can answer that today. I don't know. I'm going to have to wait. I, may, maybe, really? I'll, may, maybe I will root for them. if they're... Is it because of this nonsense or is it would it have been the same answer if I talked to you two weeks ago? Do you just not like Sammamish Little League? Correct. But when Eastlake boys went, I was rooting for them. I, you know what I mean? So I, I would probably, I don't know. That's a tough one. Hey, it's like a natural rivalry. I don't know. I'm, North Carolina and Duke. And there's too also close to one another. There's also that thing of coexist. I, I don't want anyone else to do what we did. <laughs> I don't want anyone else to be as cool as us, especially right next door to us. Man, I don't want that. No, I think I just answered my there question. There might be a coach <laughs> from that team saying, we don't want to do what you did either. Ah, ah. you got to get there first, big boy. <laughs> you got to get there. Just putting the jersey on doesn't get you to the World Series. It's actually kind of hard, and you got to be stacked, and you don't lose any games at districts either. I think we won 49-3 to three combined at districts last year. Not even close to losing. Losing. Come on. That's what I would say to him. It's hard. We'll see. Good luck at state. I'll be rooting uh, for someone at state. Have fun. Good luck. I hope it's not 1-2 and done. 1-2 barbecue? That's right. I hope it's not. Anybody who's going to blame me for this segment... Talk to the Mariners. <laughs> talk to the players. Had they been good, we would have talked about professional baseball had like they everyone done, wants. Had they won a game where they didn't <laughs> score 10 runs, yeah. had they won some games in Baltimore and New York, you wouldn't have had to put yourself through the, the little league drama, <laughs> drama yeah. of softball. I think there's more little league drama in softball than there is in even little league baseball. Yeah, maybe. I'm, I'm not Girls in the baseball over world, boys. but I don't know. Yeah, I know. Wow. The drama is just... Parents lose their mind with all-stars. It's It's crazy. funny because I had planned in segment one to give the Mariners the cold shoulder. I didn't plan to go 25 minutes on the Sammamish <laughs> softball rivalry. Yeah, I don't think anyone did. What I was going to talk about in segment one, I guess we could still, or we can move it down to other stuff after the three interviews. What I was going to talk about, the two young, young, young phenoms mm. that have dominated the headlines in the world of sports the last seven days. You realize, if you just take yourself off the plateau for a second. There's other things going on besides yeah. softball, Little League softball. I'm trying not to go up there, yes. There are two young phenoms 
that everybody's talking about in the world of sports that has really, I think, captured the imagination of sports fans everywhere yeah. in the last seven days. Number one, you could you came up with it right away when yeah. we were talking pre-show, which is... The number one pick in the NBA draft. He was... He was born on January 4th, 2004. Oh, good Lord. He's essentially a little older than the son in there who's banging the desk because he's losing in in Major League Baseball the show to his brother. Right. Okay. Victor Wembenyama at 7'4 is essentially Brett Levy's age, and he's walking into the NBA as the most talked about prize prospect, maybe bigger than LeBron, bigger than them all Unreal. in the history of the NBA. I had to go watch because I didn't really see. I watched. Yes. I think I watched 45 seconds. I was like, yeah, I get it. I'd pick you, him. Do you get it? I'd pick him number one, too. Playing on a Nerf hoop on the back of the door, and everyone else is playing on a 10 foot hoop. But not in the NBA. Right. We haven't seen him do it in the NBA. But yes. yes. And he's painfully thin. Correct. Like Durant, who had some success. Would you say for him to live up to expectations, what does he have to do in his career to live up to expectations? I was thinking about this in the shower, in between thinking about the Issaquah-Sammamish rivalry. I was thinking about Victor Wembanyama and what he has to accomplish to at least meet expectations. And what I've arrived at, he's got to be a Hall of Famer. Oh, yeah. If he's not a Hall of Famer, he's an absolute miss. Yep. He's a disappointment. I wouldn't say bust. I mean, let's say he goes to five or seven all-star games, right. but doesn't quite make the Hall of Fame. He's not Tony Mandrich at that point. He's not Sam Bowie at that point. <laughs> Tony Mandrich. <laughs> but if I don't make the NBA Hall of Fame or Basketball Hall of Fame, I'm a disappointment. Think about that. Considering that everyone's Would you saying, want your son to go through that? Uh-oh. Your daughter to go through that? For the money, yeah. It'd yeah. be fine. Um, <laughs> but considering what you said and what everyone else is saying, that he's the greatest prospect of all ever, time. That, ever. But you can't be anything short of the Hall of Famer. Of course he's got to be a Hall of Famer. I mean, he's got to be like a top 10 greatest to ever do it. So I saw two pictures of him in the last like four days that were incredible when you look at. Number one, I saw a picture of him just the other night with Tim Duncan, the Admiral David Robinson. Wow. Ginobili and somebody else, they were all went to dinner the other night. Wow. And you look at the picture and you're like, hold on a second. Isn't David Robinson 7-1? Yeah. This guy is like a half a head bigger Jeez. than David Robinson. And he's like a half a head bigger than Tim Duncan. I mean, you don't realize the, the enormity, I guess is the word. Right. The size of this guy is unbelievable. He is towering over 7-1 David Robinson. <laughs> right. And he plays like off guard. He shoots threes. He plays, he plays with his face to the basket. He's got handles. Yes. He's going between his legs. And, and he, by the way, he, he can't order a beer for like two years. No, he can't. <laughs> I mean, that's crazy. Same with, same with Brett. Well, Uncle Scott hooks Brett up. We now, is that going to stop him? <laughs> right. He calls Uncle Scott for the parties. Big Brother Max just turned 21. <gasps> and they really? all of a sudden have a very close relationship. <laughs> all sure of a sudden, do. Brett's talking to him all the time. <laughs> I don't sure. know what's going on. Wow. I don't know if you know this. He threw out the first pitch in the Yankees-Mariners game on Tuesday in the Bronx. He took the subway. He took Did the, he really? He took the subway to the Yankee Stadium, to the new Yankee Stadium. Ducking the whole time? Yeah, ducking the whole yeah. time. And then there was a picture of him holding the baseball. Oh. You literally could not see the baseball in his hand. <laughs> like it looked like ball. it would look like you with like a sunflower seed in your hand. <laughs> right. <laughs> it was unbelievable. The scale is just crazy. Gigantic hands. Yeah. So there's Victor Wembanyama. And then do you know the other 
young phenom who's captured the fancy of sports fans around the world? You can't come up with it. You may not recognize the, recognize the name, but when I tell you who he is, you might say, oh, I've been reading a little bit about him. He is the Cincinnati Reds rage. Move over Julio Rodriguez. Julio is no longer the most talked about young baseball player in the sport. Okay. He is 21 year old, same as Max. So I've got w- Victor oh, Wembanyama in that room. <laughs> and I've got 21 yeah. year old Max, six foot five, 200 pounds, shortstop of the Reds, Ellie De La Cruz. Okay. Are you following him? No. Tell me. He's played 15 games since being called up as a 21-year-old 6'5 shortstop. How many shortstops do you know that are 6'5, 200 right. pounds? When have you ever seen a 6'5 shortstop? We'll tell you around 6'3 maybe at best. Yeah. 8'6'5, Eight, I can six, tell five, you that. Yeah. Two weeks into his major league career, in game number 15 on Saturday, he hit for the cycle. Jeez. God. 21. 21 years old. Took him 15 games to hit for the cycle. Gosh. He's 6'5". He runs like the wind. He's got enormous power. Oh, by the way, he's a switch-hitting shortstop. Of course he is, yes. Since 1903, he becomes the first player in his first 15 games to have 20 hits, five stolen bases, and three homers. In his first. Nobody ever. Since when, you said? 1903. God. Nobody ever has done that. Read those stats again. 20 hits in his first 15 games, yeah. five stolen bases in his first 15 Jeez. games, and three homers in his 15 games, and he's hit for the cycle in his 50, first 15 games. And he's a 6'5", 200-pound switch-hitting shortstop of the Cincinnati Reds. Crazy. Insane. And you watch the highlights of him, and it's just like you can't take your eyes off the screen. He's beautiful. Five stolen bases in 15 games? Five stolen bases in 15 so he games. he'd be on pace for like 52 stolen bases if Wa- he played all year? Watching him run, do you remember what it looked like? Years and years ago when Deion Sanders was playing baseball for sure. a minute or two, yeah, yeah. what it looked like when he would get going around yeah, the bases. Yeah. This guy, and this guy's 6'5". Right. Ellie De La Cruz, they're calling it Ellie Mania. Our Julio guy, yeah. not so much anymore. Passe, Passe these days. Yeah, old, old and born. Well, the Yankees are going to love this kid in four He's years. He's a washed-up so. has-been, our guy. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> anyway, three interviews and then the other stuff segment. My man, Jay Flo, Jordan Flowers. He runs the Woodenville office of Cross Country Mortgage. He's a jet setter, too. Legoland with the family. A Cavaliers game in Cleveland with Cross Country Mortgage. I hope you don't forget your mediocre friends here in Seattle, Jordan. Never, never. All the jet setting, it's just puffery, Mitch. Just puffery. Oh, very good, Jordan. Very good. Danny O'Neill will be very impressed. Good time to be a buyer in the Pacific Northwest, true or false? False. Absolutely true. Great time to be a buyer right now. Uh, buyers are not having to get into a lot of multiple offer situations and escalate like they were a year ago. Huh? They're coming to reasonable agreements with sellers, not having to waive all their conditions just to get considered. And they're able to get a lot of credits to help pay for closing costs or even take advantage of helping buy that rate down. And last week, I understand you locked in a buyer with an interest rate, at least at the outset in the threes. People listening to this are going to say, that's not humanly possible. True or false, Jordan Flowers, and how? True. So as referenced in the past, we are taking advantage of these temporary buy-downs in the market. What we're doing is taking that seller credit and getting enough to offer the ability to temporarily buy down an interest rate from, say, the start rates are in the mid
mid sixes, upper sixes, and get them starting at 3% the first year and elevates to four and then five and then the note rate. But within those first year or two with rates will come down, they then can refinance into that long-term secured fixed rate. All right. So what am I paying attention to if I'm a buyer or seller? What numbers as they come out over the next weeks and months? Yeah. uh, Two key markers to be watching is the CPI numbers coming out because the last year's CPI number will fall off, which it was a monster in March last year. If we get a lower reading this year, that will then be indicating inflation is coming down, which will be great for long-term mortgage-backed securities. And then keep an eye on the 10-year treasury. If we can get that 10-year treasury number down to about 3.2, 3.25, it's going to be an excellent time for anybody that has purchased in the last year to look to refinance and lower that interest rate as well. And if you're looking to refinance, if you're looking to lower that interest rate as well, as he says, you're going to call first Jordan Flowers and his team at Cross Country Mortgage phone number. 425-890-2957. Jordan Flowers, the Woodenville office of Cross Country Mortgage. Great, great partner of Mitch Unfiltered. Ladies and gentlemen, she's the director of financial planning at our Mitch Unfiltered partner, Evergreen Golf Call, Katie Versio. She's also my arch nemesis when it comes to financial trivia. Katie, how are you? How's everyone over at Evergreen Golf Call? I'm doing well, Mitch. Thanks for having me. Everybody's good over there. Our theme today is what? So today we're doing a market update. Okay. Which brings us to three questions. I typically go over three. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good today. So I'm ready for question number one. As I know, we discussed quite a bit over the last few months. 2022 was the worst year on record for a balanced portfolio with both stocks and bonds down double digits. So true or false? In 2023, both stocks and bonds are up. Is that true or false? It's absolutely true, Katie Versio. That's right. It is true. So the market is off to a much better start this year, even though there's a lot more economic uncertainty. Mm -hmm. The stock market's up about 8% and bonds are up nearly 3%. Very good. And I am up one for one, which screams at me, quit, Mitch. Quit right now and go out one for one. But I'm not going to do it. I'm going to press my luck. What's question number two, Katie? Okay, so number two is another true or false. We'll see how you do with this one. So the yield curve is currently inverted, meaning that short-term interest rates are higher than long-term interest rates. Is that true or false? I'm going to say false, Katie. That's false. It's actually true. Ah. So I know it's uh, it's counterintuitive. Typically, you think the longer time frame you have, the more interest you get. Mm-hmm. But it's actually the opposite in this environment. It's typically an indication of a recession, and you actually get more interest for shorter time periods. That's actually surprising. It leaves me one for two. I'm not quitting. I'm continuing to press my luck. I'm going two for three. What's question number three, Katie? The 10-year treasury currently pays an interest rate of 3.5%. So knowing what we talked about in number two, what do six month treasuries yield? So 10 year yields three and a half. Does a six month treasury yield 4%, 5% or 6%? We know more. Question is how much more? I'm going B. 
I'm going 5% for 667. I'm going 5% for two out of three today. That's right. It is 5%. Yeah, so it's an interesting environment where you only get three and a half percent for holding a position for 10 years, but you get 5% on the short term. So it's a really interesting environment with interest rates elevated at this level. We think now is a good time to lock in return. You can get better interest rates on money markets now. There's a lot more options for investors to park their cash than just a regular savings account. It's an unusual time in the world, the financial world, and they are there for you. EvergreenGK.com. Not only a great partner of Mitch Unfiltered and part of the reason that we are possible on this podcast, but just a terrific resource. So check them out, evergreengk.com. Unfiltered. Do you see in the near future more expansion teams like you hear Seattle, you hear Las Vegas? Is that a possibility? It, It is a possibility. Well, as NBA fans here continue to hope for a Sonics return sooner rather than later, Commissioner Adam Silver periodically hints that we're getting closer. Case in point, the comment to the TV crew during the NBA Finals. Mike Vorkanov is a national hoops writer for The Athletic, and he's been following closely. Mike, welcome to Mitch Unfiltered. Thanks for having me. How are you? Uh, We're okay. Would be better if we could go out and watch a little NBA basketball. So it's felt all along, Mike, like the steps were one, new collective bargaining agreement, check. Two, new TV digital mega deal, which is coming. And then expansion. Do I have it right? That's the order of operations that Adam Silver has laid out. And so you're you're one for three right now on the checklist. (laughs) Um, How quickly... Two gets done, and then eventually three are obviously uh, matters of discussion and, uh, you know, guessing already. So the TV deal expires after the 24-25 season, which means your best guess at to when a new TV deal, digital deal will get done. You know, uh, the exclusive negotiating window that the NBA has with its, with its current two partners, uh, Disney and Warner Brothers Discovery concludes in end of April 2024. And I think the belief right now is that there's going to be another TV partner somewhere in the mix, right? So you expect it to go past that. If I had to take a guess, I, I think they would probably finish it up somewhere about a year ahead of the actual new deal kicking in. So you're looking at like summer, maybe fall of 2024. That's just my best guess as of this moment, based on how things are looking at. And so end of 2024, somewhere around there, seems like a reasonable timetable to expect uh, the NBA to move on to the next thing on a checklist if it wants to go there. If it wants to go there. Do you have reservations about that? Uh, I, I mean, I'm just not a big believer in absolute certainty when you're trying to predict things that like a league or a team might do, right? Expansion makes sense. I think the league has spoken optimistically about it. I think there's a belief amongst people who care about and are interested in uh, new teams being formed and bought and sold and all these things that it'll happen. But you never know how smoothly these things go. We have to see what the next TV deal looks like. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have to see what happens to team valuations. You have to see which cities are in play and uh, what ownership groups are willing to bring teams to those cities and how much they're willing to pay, right? There's a lot of variables up in the air. And we're going to get into some of those variables. Let's assume that expansion is next on the list, Mike. 
and they do a deal, a new TV deal, like you say, end of 24, beginning of 25. Would you say sometime in 25, the expansion teams would be announced and then maybe opening night, October of 2027? Would that be a best guess scenario or could they do it sooner? Could they open sooner than that? Uh, You know, I would think it would take some time for them to land. If they go through with expansion, I think it would take some time for them to land on what their cities and ownership groups are. There's already jostling and there's already all that stuff going on. But I, I think they wouldn't try to rush it through, right? You want to do your own actual feasibility studies. You want to drum up as high a market as you can. There's a question of who'd be involved as the ownership Stakes get more complex with private equity firms being allowed, sovereign wealth funds being allowed, and university endowments being allowed, right? And if the NBA wants to continue to increase the value of its franchises, which it obviously does, uh, they're going to probably look for somebody to try to hit that $4 billion, maybe $5 billion mark to bring a team into the league the way that things have been escalating in franchise valuations. So you got to find somebody who's, who's willing to hit that number. And so... I don't know if the NBA says, okay, we're going to be open to expansion. I guess it would take like at least a year to land on these, on, on where it goes and who, who gets the team. And then how much longer before they begin play? Well, when I've been doing the reporting on the WNBA expansion, which of course is, you know, also a part of the NBA, I think the timetable that WNBA commissioner, Kathy Engelbert laid out was 18 to 24 months. If I remember correctly from naming an expansion team uh, to the team starting to play. Right. So I would guess it would be kind of a similar thing for the NBA Mm -hmm. uh, from when it names a team to when the team actually starts playing. It's funny, Mike. Everything you read, everything you hear just assumes that Seattle and Vegas will be the two cities. You seem less convinced of that as I listen to you. Or am I wrong about that? I I think they're definitely the front runners, right? I, I don't doubt that at all. And when you talk to people who are, again, you know, interested and involved in these things, I think that's the belief amongst them as well. I think some of what I believe it was Adam Silver said was interesting about Mexico City. You have to consider this through a media lens as well, right? The NBA is a media entity uh, in other regards. If it's going to go further into being a media entity that does business with a streaming network like Apple or Amazon, it's no longer just locked into American broadcast partners, just a Disney or uh, Warner Brothers Discovery. And I, I think it was him who said this sometime in the past year. If you go to a Mexico City, that opens up a whole new market for one of your broadcast partners, let's say an Apple, right? Like, and they want to increase their business in Mexico. Uh, having the NBA have a team in Mexico could be good for business for them. I, I, these are, I think, all the things that are kind of worthwhile to look through. And, you know, ESPN has their own streaming network too. That's international. You know, Warner Brothers Discovery has its own international streaming situation as well. So I I think we have to look at it through a larger lens than just what the business interests would be in the United States. And so I think Vegas and I think Seattle are probably still the two front runners, but I I think there would be consideration given to an international city. Sounds like Victor Wenbanyama is coming around just at the right time, Mike. <laughs> hey, and there's a reason the Spurs have tried to make part of uh, Mexico as, as part of their local market. You know, they've tried to stretch their market from Austin to Monterey. So <laughs> Vic's coming in. It's going to surely help them do well and continue to make uh, inroads for the league in Mexico. So let's talk about the media deal for a second. Some absurd numbers are being floated around 
that will obviously have what you talk about, the impact on expansion fees for the two cities. $75 billion, I'm hearing, Mike? I think that was a number that CNBC reported uh, a few years ago is what the uh, NBA wants to get, which would be 3x, basically, what it's getting in its current deal, which is a nine-year, $24 billion deal in total with, well, now Warner Brothers and Disney. Mm-hmm. Uh, based on the people that I've spoken to, the expectation is somewhere around two to two and a half times what they're currently getting. Mm-hmm. You know, based on a number of factors, how frothy the market is, how bit, you know, how many people are bidding, right? How much they're willing to go to and give away uh, games to an Apple, to a Amazon, you know, basically to these tech companies that are starting up their streaming networks and need tonnage for it. And how much of that they're willing to give away, I think could probably prop up the amount of money that they get. So I did a little math last night, Mike, you'll be impressed. My Syracuse. Okay, I'm bad at math, so don't ask me. <laughs> my Syracuse education, my math. Each team, it let, if you assume $75 billion, which you think is high, but if you assume $75 billion, each team gives up $157 million if the two new cities get a full share of this media deal. And that's just the media package, not including other shared revenues. And that's just the first media package package, not to mention the money in perpetuity from all the upcoming media deals. Now you throw in the Suns $4 billion price tag recently. You mentioned four. I'm thinking Seattle in this city with the money in this city that's at least perceived. You could be talking about a $5 billion price tag as an expansion fee, which is amazing because a year and a half, two years ago with Chris Hansen, I was discussing a $3 billion expansion fee. Yeah, I would have said about a year and a half ago, same timetable. I would have guessed like two and a half, three billion dollars $3 billion for a new team. Amazing. I might be lowballing it at four. I like I, if a new team comes around and they name a you know an expansion franchise in 2026 and say it sold for five, I wouldn't be surprised uh, the way things are going, right? And there's still even more time to set further precedents for whatever the next team is. But yeah, $5 billion seems like a reasonable number to ask for, for uh, creating your own NBA team from scratch from pretty big market in Seattle. Would you expect that, let's say it's Seattle and Vegas and not Mexico City. Would you expect that the expansion fees would be different based on the size of the markets and the money in the markets when you consider each of them would get an equal cut of TV revenue and other shared revenue. I, I think it would be fair to have different uh, expansion fees for each of the franchises. I mean, you're having different markets with totally different economic models, right? Yeah. Vegas, which is much more of a, a transient type of city, not as large a population, different type of situation in terms of who you sell seats and suites to and what that media market is, right? That you're talking about local media rights, um, which obviously matter as well, as opposed to Seattle, yeah, I, I mean, the, at least when I had looked into this, as you, gosh, everything just changes so quickly. But like, say, like eighteen months ago or so, maybe a year ago, um, I think even then the expectation was that again, this is not from the NBA. This is just talking to people who are investing in these things or interested in investing in these things. That there would be two different numbers for two different teams in yeah. two different markets. Got it. Going back to how games will be consumed, Mike, in this new package your recent piece talked a lot about moving back from cable to over-the-air networks and of course there's the streaming element to this because more and more households are cutting 
the cable. Yeah, I mean, cord cutting has pretty much undone, uh, you know, the, the TV industry over the last decade, right? Buffeting uh, cable companies and even companies like Disney, which is so reliant on ESPN and just waylaid the RSN industry and this constant stream of revenue for teams. Uh, and I think we saw the Suns do it in April where they said that they would go to a local over-the-air TV plus uh, a streaming network that's kind of tied up in court at the moment. But you ha- you saw the Las Vegas Knights do the same thing, the NHL team. Uh, the Golden Knights go to a similar model. And then the Jazz yesterday said that they would go to a similar thing. And I, I don't know that every team will do it. There is no one-size-fits-all approach in the NBA. You know, the Knicks own their own RSN. The Washington Wizards just bought their own RSN. So it's not as if everyone's getting off of cable. But I think in certain markets where there's not a stable RSN, where they do have an ownership group that's willing to take the long view, it's hard sometimes to just give up those dollars that the RSN network is throwing your way in local rights. It it can be a lot of money, dozens of millions of dollars per year uh, to step back and to take the long view. And so you have some owners like Matt Ishbia, who just bought the team, Ryan Smith, who bought the Jazz two years ago who can take the long view because they know they'll be there and because they know their franchise is going to appreciate and they'll see the long-term benefit of it either way. People thought Steve Ballmer was crazy when he paid $2 billion for the Clippers, Mike. And now it's a discount, right? You, you get an NBA team, right? I'm not, honestly, you know, the Hornets, I think were reported to go for $3 billion and the Bucks went for $3.5 billion or valued at $3.5. Critical distinction. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know if you can get an NBA team anymore for $2 billion. Oh, no, you and, can't. And, no. I mean, this is now nine years now, right? Like, that's all it's been. It's nine years. Crazy. Are more people watching the NBA these days in terms of ratings? Are ratings up, or is that an unfair question because of all the homes that are doing away with cable? Do we even know? I mean, we're talking about this incredible increase in values of teams and three times what the NBA got in television revenues the last time around. And yet I'm not convinced that more people are watching the NBA now than we're watching three years ago. It's complicated. I I think (laughs) the funny thing about ratings now and viewership numbers now is that uh, having fewer people watch or having people watch at a similar rate as they were five years ago is actually more impressive because so many fewer homes have cable. So many fewer homes have, uh, you know, are counted as like cable TV households. Maintaining stable ratings compared to five years ago, as the NBA did this postseason at least, is even more impressive. And so there's a larger value to be able to maintain your audience as fewer people watch cable TV. And there's, I think that's why the NBA has interactive media property in that way. So I don't know if they're watching more. You know, even Nielsen has changed the way it measures its audiences. It now measures out-of-home viewers, too, so the people in bars and these congregations. And so it also constantly seems to have some errors in how it does its counting. <laughs> so all of these things are in, in kind of a, like a state of flux. But I would guess at the very least, the same amount of people are watching the NBA now on right. TV as they were five years ago. And if you look at ratings falling everywhere else, uh, stability uh, is pretty valuable. As we finish up, Mike, that $5 billion price tag here in Seattle is scaring me. I got to go check my account levels because I don't think I have it. How much are you putting in? I don't know that I have it. I know there's a lot of money here, and I know there's a lot of people here that can afford $5 billion, but $5 billion is a big number especially when you consider, and you you mentioned this earlier, that the NBA has some pretty hefty rules on 
the main investor and how much cash they have to put in. We just saw this deal with the commanders. The commanders deal is up in the air because Josh Harris might not be individually putting up enough money. As these numbers get higher and higher, the likelihood of one person being the majority owner and coming up with 60% cash, let's just use that as an example, becomes more and more remote. Yeah, and I, I mean, I think that's why the NBA keeps changing its ownership models, right? That's why I allow private equity firms to come in. Yeah, That's why it allows sovereign wealth funds to come in and university endowments, all these other institutional investors, right? And so you don't need to come up with $5 billion, let's say, all on your own. You can cobble together $5 billion between yourself and a PE firm that can buy 20%. 30% is the max for how much PE firms combined or institutional investors combined can own. You have some other minority investors. If you look at the Ishbias who bought the controlling stake of the Suns, I think they bought a little bit over 50% together between Matt and his brother, Justin, um, and maybe some other tag along investors. And so that was at a $4 billion valuation, but it's not like they just paid $4 billion in cash themselves. And so if you're right. trying to get to that number, you know, you throw a P in firm there. Uh, All right, I know. My work is know. cut out for me. I got to I gotta work the phones is what you're saying. I got to get on yeah. the phones right now. <laughs> Find a nice institutional investor that will lend you a few billion dollars, and okay. I think you're good. Okay. All right. Mike Markinov uh, of The Athletic, who has covered this not only expansion talk, but – the new TV deal, which is coming. It's going to be very interesting to see how much they get in from whom. Mike, you're kind to be with us here on Mitch Unfiltered. Thanks for doing it. Yeah, happy to do it. Happy to help anytime. Hey, look who it is. It's Lindsay Schwartz of Daniel's Broiler. Lindsay, are the restaurants still thriving with you on the golf course three or four days a week? Hey, Mitch, good good to talk to you. Yeah, I wish I was on three or four days a week. Come but, on uh, now. But I, yeah, I can't complain. Come I, on, on now. You're telling I'm, me you're not on the golf course three or four days a week? I'm on maybe like one or two days a no, week. No, you're but, not. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes three or four. All right. I always focus our attention on some obvious qualities of Daniel's like, the steaks and seafood, the incredible ambiance and service. But here's something we never talk about or don't talk about enough, desserts. Now, can we talk about desserts and make people in our audience want to go to Daniel's just for the desserts? I think so. I mean, we you're right. We haven't talked about it much. I'll tell you what, I'm a big dessert guy, so I would love to talk about okay. desserts. I'm not a big dessert guy. I'm not a big drinker, but I want to hear you talk about the desserts at Daniel's. Tell me, please. I'm a dessert guy and a drinker, but, but <laughs> let's, let's talk about, let's just talk about desserts. I'll tell you what, you know, we've been around a long time since 1980 we got a handful of desserts that have been around since day one that are just old school, old time favorites. And they're so good that we, we never change them. The, we've got a New York style cheesecake, which I think you have to have if you're a steakhouse. We have a creme brulee, which is awesome. Again, you have to have it. The other one that we've had forever is the coconut fudge sundae. I may have talked about it a little bit, but it is so good. I mean, it, and we do it differently. It's, a, it's almost like an upside down sundae. So we line the bowl 
with fudge and refrigerate that. So you got this thick layer of fudge on the bottom. And then we put the delicious uh, coconut ice cream on top of that. And I mean, people have loved that for over 40 years. It's awesome. Do you have an ambulance sitting outside to take me directly to the <laughs> hospital after I have that dessert? <laughs> we should. I don't know. We, we know where all the closest uh, hospitals are to each uh, restaurant. So, so you don't have to worry about that. But but then, you know, we also have some some of the newer ones. We've got a chocolate decadence cake that is relatively new. It is what it is. It's a decadent chocolate cake served with vanilla ice cream. A newer one is a peach Melba butter cake. So butter cake is something that we've seen at other steakhouses around the country. And then I got to mention also just, uh, it sounds simple, but just the ice cream. We, we use Olympic Mountain ice cream, which is a company, family-owned company that's been around as long as we have. And uh, you really just see their stuff in restaurants. You don't see it anywhere else. Mm -hmm. And they come up with these amazing, unique flavors. They kind of pick the flavor and, and we serve it. But like, for example, there's a brown butter almond toffee, which is killer, strawberry rhubarb pie, white chocolate espresso flake with caramel swirl. Gee, I could keep going. It's wow. uh, it, it's it's been a staple for us and, and a great partnership for us. And we just love it. My God, I ask you about your steaks, your seafood, your ambiance, and you give me eight seconds. I didn't know I need to be asking you about dessert all these years. I told you, I've known you 20 years. You know, you can't figure out the right questions. I'm a dessert guy. Let's go. Daniel's Broiler, world-class steakhouses. Unfiltered. I said, uh, President Carter, my father wrote down that he wanted to meet you on his bucket list, and I'm checking that off for him today. And he said, oh, very good. This was the most impossible list item, and, I, and we did it. And I think everything changed after that. Our next guest turned the tragic loss of her father in 2003 into one of the sweetest stories you'll ever hear. She's the author of the book, My Father's List, how Living My Dad's Dreams Set Me Free. Laura Carney joins us on Mitch Unfiltered. And what a pleasure it is to have you, Laura. Oh, it's such a pleasure for me to be here. Thanks for having me. Such a beautiful story and journey. I'm really moved. If you don't mind, tell us about Mickey, the man. Who was he? You and your brother's relationship with your dad and the tragedy of 2003, if you don't mind. I love that you called him Mickey because everybody called him that. No, nobody ever says that in interviews. Um, you know, my father and I were really close. We were kindred spirits. I think he was very creative. He was a singer. He was a writer. He was a salesman. He, you know, he was uh, the life of the party. Everybody loved being around him. But at the same time, he was really great with kids. You know, he, he always made us feel like we had his undivided attention. And he would be thrilled that I'm on your show because he just loves sports. He loves sports radio. He would play it all the time. He brought my brother to uh, sporting events as, as often as he could. The only sporting event on his bucket list that he checked off was go to a World Series game live. And yeah, he was killed by a distracted teen driver uh, making a phone call when I was 25 years old and he was 54. And uh, we didn't find his bucket list or even knew it existed for another 13 years. I really believe it happened right when I was ready for it. Uh, my brother discovered it as he was moving into his first house that he had bought. And my husband and I had just gotten married. And then my brother was about to get married two weeks later. I always joke my brother and I do things at exactly the same time. <laughs> when, when it's a wedding, that's, that's interesting for the parents. <laughs> 
But yeah, when, as soon as I saw that list of 60 items, it really was like, um, you know, I almost feel like it was a wedding gift for both my brother and me. We got to experience my dad's presence again. And my husband and I knew right away that I needed to finish this yeah. list and write a book about it. Laura, the list he did was in 1978. And he accomplished very few of them, six, I think, to be exact. Why so few? 25 years, only six, almost like there was a bigger purpose to this list because he could have done many more of them, but he didn't, which is interesting. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Some of them were very expensive, Mitch. You know, he had two kids. We were growing up in Wilmington, Delaware. Besides the expense of it, I think part of it is because he didn't tell anybody about it. You know, I, I found out just last week, my mom said that they found the list on my father when he died. So that tells me that he had it with him all the time, probably wow. in his wallet. Like I was around this list for 25 years without knowing it. Wow. And I think you're right. I mean, I think the fact that he wrote it just after I I was born in 1978 means I had some kind of a karmic attachment to it. And wow. probably the list was always meant for me. So you set out to do the other 55, the other 55. <laughs> You're so excited. Oh, my God. <laughs> now, hold on. We are primarily a sports show, as you mentioned, and he was a big sports fan. And one of the six things that he did accomplish before he passed away was to do an interview on a radio station, is that right? Yeah, I would imagine it was for sales. I okay. found all of these tapes of that he recorded of his own voice after That's he died. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <Yep>. <laughs> <laughs> to give you an idea. So, since we're talking sports, attending some big sports events, which ain't easy to do, we're on the list, and you're not necessarily a big sports fan. Talk a little bit about some of the ones that you checked off the list. Where did you go? Uh, the first one I did was the Rose Bowl. And, you know, I had to go to the Rose Bowl game. I couldn't just go for a tour of the Rose Bowl. It was interesting because as I wrote about it in the book, um, my husband's not a big football fan. I mean, you know, he's he's a big Seattle Mariners baseball fan. He's obsessed <laughs> with the Mariners, but football isn't really his thing. So... By halftime at the Rose Bowl, Bowl, we were both sort of bored, to be totally honest with you. <laughs> but uh, I had just randomly decided it was Georgia versus Oklahoma. And I had randomly decided Georgia was my team, partly because I also checked off uh, talk with the president. And that ended up being Jimmy Carter in Plains, Georgia, just like two months before. So I was all about Georgia. I prayed that they win at halftime. They were losing, by the way. And then it was so unbelievable. The Rose Bowl went into double overtime for the first time in history. One of the most exciting moments of my entire life was watching this game go into double overtime. I know enough about football to understand, you know, like what was happening. I'm more of a basketball fan, actually. I really loved going to the Final Four. And we did that in Texas. Um, I think it was in uh, San Antonio. And that almost felt like my home team because the, the star of that game was a guy from Delaware. Dante DiFin, De I think his last name was DiVincenzo. Yes, from Villanova. He's, yes. Yeah, I think he scored like 30 points or something like yeah, that. Like yeah. in the second half. It was yeah. unbelievable. He was on fire. Yeah. I mean, I never in my life did I think I'd be at like a national sporting event and hear commentators say Delaware for the win, <laughs> which my dad would have just like loved. So, so your dad wanted to go to the Rose Bowl. You checked that off the list. Yeah. Your dad wanted to go to the national championship final four. You yep. check that off the list. You jumped to me on the Jimmy Carter because when you looked at the list, 
The one that looked impossible was, because he did this in 1978 now, he wanted to talk with the president at the time in 1978, which was Jimmy Carter. Tell the story, please. I was on an interview for Inside Edition, and a man from Alabama emailed me, and he said, uh, hey, if any president will do, you should know that Jimmy Carter teaches Sunday school every Sunday in Plains, Georgia. So I found uh, an email for the Carter Center, which is this, you know, they all have these wonderful libraries. Um, and I went down and I took a tour of the Carter Center. And then as we got to our hotel, we got there really late at night because I was really just begging my husband to go climb Stone Mountain with me because it was the only place on the list that my dad actually went to. And he had these like triumphant photos of himself with his fist out at the top. Come to find out later, they took the sky ride. They didn't even hike the mountain. <laughs> but yeah, so we hiked all the way up and then we got to the hotel and you know I started a conversation with a guy at the front desk who had this amazing Jimmy Carter t-shirt and it turned out he was his biographer so we talked for about three hours in the parking lot all about Jimmy Carter and then by the time we did get to the Sunday school there was his biographer sitting right next to him in the church so I had a feeling I might have an in <laughs> by the time I finally got up there. It was one of like the most amazing Sunday school sermons I've ever heard. It changed my life, some of the things he talked about. Um, and then when we did actually get up to meet him, I got to shake his hand and have a few oh. sentences with him. So oh. Check what, it a, what an amazing man. Check it off the list. Correspond with the Pope. Your dad in 1978 had on his list correspond with the Pope. You got that one too? Yeah. I mean, not many people know this, but if you write to the Pope, he has like, I think about three or four different assistants who always say that they count as being him. Yeah. Like they, they, they have his heart is how they put it. If it's a really, really urgent letter, the Pope himself will write you back, but you're, you're very likely to get a response. I didn't know I was going to get one so quickly. I thought that might take a year. It only took six weeks. Wow. And then there were some daunting physical things on the list <laughs> dad wanted to skydive so daughter laura had to skydive dad wanted to do a 10 mile run explain those two and how you got through those two if you got through those two laura oh no i did i got through everything one way or another um, <laughs> luckily i was already a runner i had just run the new york marathon um and i had already signed up for the la marathon so i just figured okay all i have to do is run without walking because I, you know, I, there's usually some walking involved when you're sure. a marathoner. Sure. And so I just trained myself to run like, you know, a minute slower <laughs> than I usually do and just keep, keep running. And it's great mental training, I think, um, that you just can't let yourself stop. Of course, once I finally did do that in the L.A. Marathon, I sort of forgot about the fact that you have to use the bathroom at some point. So I started peeing my pants. <laughs> But and, it, you know, things like that happened all the time. Oh, and what would <laughs> and what would Dad have thought about daughter Laura peeing her pants as she approached Rodeo Drive? You know, he just he just would have thought it was hilarious. So that's that's who he was. He was a comedian. You know, I mean, he was literally a comedian in in, in nightclubs. So he would have found it to be just the uh, fun. I hear I was taking this run so seriously, yes. and he was so good at helping me to just uh, to stop taking myself. And a similar thing happened when I went skydiving. That's how I started to know that his spirit was involved in this. I threw up on myself midair. 
when Thank I was skydiving. <laughs> Luckily, I only ate an apple that morning. So it really wasn't it was like, you know, applesauce. But but still, it was like, you know, a week before I had been joking with my husband about that. I was going to be skydiving on TV in a new local news show. And I was kind of doing my makeup in the mirror. And I said to my husband, oh, it's so hard being camera ready all the time. <laughs> and my husband looked at me. He's like, I'm going to pretend you didn't just say that. <laughs> so, of course, once I finally did the interview and was in midair, I would throw up on myself. So once I was on TV, now I have puke on my shirt. And that's so my dad just being like, humble yourself. (laughs) But skydiving was incredible. I loved it. So Laura, you just said it. And I was going to ask you next, as you were checking things off the list, your dad's list, your father's list, you felt a connection. I've heard some of the other interviews that you've done. Is there a way to articulate to our audience what the connection felt like? Um, It felt like, you know... Have you ever seen the movie Field of Dreams? I have, of course, yes. And in the beginning of the movie, Kevin Costner is hearing this voice. You know, if you build it, they will come. And it wasn't just that. They said a couple other things, actually, in the beginning of that movie. Uh, and he was very confused by it and thought he was going crazy, but still would, would listen to the voice anyway and do what the voice asked him to do. It felt like that. Mm. I would hear a phrase like after I the first article I had published in The Washington Post was about my dad not being at my wedding, about the way he died. It was really nerve wracking for me because I hadn't talked about his death for about a decade. I really hid it from people. And to have it suddenly be in the second largest newspaper in the country was a little overwhelming. And I heard in the back of my head that night changing history. And I just sensed like that has to be him. I wouldn't say a phrase like that. And I really did feel that he was helping me to rewrite a script that was a tragic story and turn it into an inspiring one. And I don't think I could have done that on my own. Would you allow me to ask a very delicate question? Sure. Coming from someone who's made a lot of mistakes, big mistakes in my life, is there any thought, has there been any thought of communication with the woman who was making that ill-fated call 20 years ago? I guess she was 17 at the time. She'd be 37 today and how this journey may have changed your perspective on all of that? Yeah, I would I would love to talk to her. Um, I've tried to find her. Um, I spoke with the police officers involved when we had the story in Good Housekeeping, and they told me because she was a minor, it wasn't legal for them to give me any of her information. But, you know, I forgave her a long time ago because, quite honestly, uh, anybody who's making a phone call while they're driving is it, they're basically impairing they're impairing their ability to drive by about 25 percent. You're you're affecting your view through the windshield. You're shrinking it four times. So I don't think there's any way she could have seen that red light, honestly. Oh, so tragic. Um, Did you know all along from the moment you found the list that you were going to write a book about doing it? Or did you start doing the list, checking things off the list, and then somewhere along the way you were like, I got to write a book about this. No, I I knew the whole time um, I had wanted to write a book about what happened um, for about a decade. But I was one of those annoying people who walks around talking about writing a book and not actually writing (laughs) because I was too afraid. I just didn't have enough confidence in myself. And I really think when the list arrived, it was almost like my dad, who was also a writer himself, it was like he was providing me with my chapters Mm -hmm. and he was saying, do it like this, which is what he would have done if he were living. So some others. Are you going to play guitar for our audience today? (laughs) They don't want me to. (laughs) 
<laughs> that was on the list, right? It was play play piano or guitar, and okay. I had learned piano as a kid, so I, I took up piano again. <laughs> How about surfing the Pacific Ocean? How long did you last on a surfboard, Laura? Two seconds. <laughs> After wiping out 20 times. <laughs> And you're going to be giving Warren Buffett a run for his money, I understand, by making money in the stock market. That was on the list of your dad. Right? Yeah, but I'll tell, I'll tell you what, though. Even though I didn't make a whole lot, it uh -huh. still was kind of miraculous that it happened because I made that money just after uh, the pandemic started. And I don't know if you remember, but uh, Trump had like basically banned all travel to China. And on the day that he did that, the stock market sank. Like it, everybody lost money that day, but not me. My stock went up. <laughs> <laughs> I think people in our audience are going to be able to understand and associate with your dad's wish to play golf in the 70s, Laura. Now, how is daughter Laura going to play? A lot of us would like to play golf in the 70s. You took creative license with that particular item on the list, right? Well, I, I did I did that one three ways. First of all, I had never played golf in my life, except for mini golf with my dad as a kid. Yeah. So I took lessons. I, I actually am not bad. Um, I was shocked by that. I love I loved playing golf. I had I was injured from from uh, the tennis list item at that point. My foot had gotten a torn tendon and I had surgery. So golf was a great great sport for me. There's not a whole lot of running in golf. And uh, first I played, I guess, a 70 while playing a nine hole course. Uh, I played when it was 70 degrees. I played with my mom and my stepdad who are in their 70s. And then finally went to San Diego, which was also a list item. And, you know, everybody knows it's always 70 degrees in San Diego. Of course, when we were there, it was more like 95, which is my dad's humor. Mm -hmm. uh, and my stepdad said, why don't we play a game of best ball? Because we're going to get in the 70s if we play best ball and you know best ball is where you hit the one that's closest to the hole depending on we had three of us playing it okay. so by the end of those 18 holes in san diego we did Campbell. technically score a 79 uh, what'd you learn about yourself laura I learned that I have all these hidden talents I didn't know about, you know, maybe, may, may, maybe, maybe golf dad, isn't one of them, but <laughs> maybe your dad knew this about you. And this list was a way for you to uh, find out a lot more about yourself. Well, I'll tell you what, um, uh, about a year before we found the list, I'm a copy editor. That's my vocation. And I was talking to a woman who wanted me to help copy edit her book. And in the middle of the conversation, she says to me, by the way, I'm a psychic and I have a message for you from your father. And I was like, she's like, do you want it? I mean, what am I gonna say, no? <laughs> I said, sure, yeah, what is it? And she, and she said, he says, don't compromise yourself. Oh. And I thought, oh, what does that mean? And I really think now that this list and the book were just a long journey of me learning how to not compromise myself mm -hmm. over and over and over again, to let myself be authentically me, uh, the person I had been, you know, I didn't even know I could do some of these things or that I would be having the time of my life doing them at age 38. You know, at 38, you kind of think you know who you are. So for me, it was reconnecting with that really ambitious and adventurous girl that my dad knew that I was and letting her come out. And that's why now I just feel like a much more fulfilled, happier person. Such a beautiful story. Where is the list in his writing? Where is it right now? In my bedroom framed. The name of the book is My Father's List, How Living My Dad's Dream Set Me Free by Laura Carney and Post Hill Press. It's available everywhere where books are sold, Amazon, Barnes & Noble. You know where to find it. 
Anybody in our audience that's ever listened to me in 30 years on the radio and now on the podcast knows about my relationship with my father. This is such a wonderful journey. I'm so glad that you did all the things that you did and especially share it with all of us. Thank you, Laura. Thank you so much for being a part of Mitch Unfilter. We appreciate it very much. Oh, thanks, Mitch. I was so happy to be here. Hey, let's check in with the president of Zeke's Pizza, Mr. Dan Black. Hiya, Dan. How's everything going over there? Doing good, Mitch. How are the eastern spots, the two spots that are furthest away from headquarters, Spokane and Boise, doing? Yeah, you know, it's been interesting. We didn't quite know how difficult that was going to be and how much the brand would be known and stuff. And it's been great. The new location on the outskirts of Boise and Eagle is just going crazy. And we were happy that, you know, there's a lot of people that knew about Zeke's down there. And, you know, there's a lot of people that don't still, and, and we're working on that. But the location's been busy. It's got a great patio. So as summer kicks in there, it's getting even more amped up. Same thing in Spokane. They have a great patio. It got really popular for Gonzaga basketball games mm-hmm. in particular and your favorite basketball <laughs> coach on earth. Um, but, you yeah, know, so no, we're, we've been, we've been really happy with the two locations that are, you know, really outside of our core. So, so far so good. I need a summertime beer selection. I understand you've got two new collaborations in your vast library at Zeke's. Yeah, no, we've got two awesome ones this summer. And, you know, we've talked about, you know, what we call collabs a lot, which is just a fancy term for saying that we have relationships with most of the great breweries in the Northwest and they often brew beers that are exclusive to us. And we call those collabs. And so when we say collab, it just means that it's a beer that really you can only get at Zeke's and a brewery. One's already going, it's called the Reach Pilsner. And it's got a good backstory. I think I've mentioned that Tom and Doug founded Zeke's because they didn't like working for Arthur Anderson and writing code. And of course, they knew that the Internet and computers would never be big anyway. So they started <laughs> started a pizza company. But, you know, part of the reason they started their own business so they could windsurf at the gorge. And the reach actually refers to a stretch of the Columbia where they windsurf. And our partner on that is a brewery called Ferment. The head brewer down there is really great at Pilsners, and we like Pilsners because they're easy drinking. They're low alcohol. Even you could handle a couple of those. <laughs> and so uh, so the Reach Pilsners going right now. It's an easy drinking summer beer. And then we're doing a re-rack of the one we did with Fremont Brewing last summer. So in July, we'll have another version of the Z-Side IPA, which will definitely be too aggressive for you, Mitch. So stay away from that one. <laughs> so yeah, we got the Pilsner going right now, the Reach Pilsner, and then we got Z-Side coming up in July and they're both really good. It's quite a selection of beer at Zeke's Pizza. You know Zeke's Pizza for for their great Northwest style crust and pizza, but boy, what a beer selection that continues to grow and grow. We love Zeke's Pizza, an incredible partner of Mitch Unfiltered, homegrown in the Northwest. Unfiltered. Time Emmy Award nominee. Is that right? Yes. You? That is correct. I'm looking at the plaques right now on my office wall. Yeah. Did you ever win? No, I did not. <laughs> I am the Susan Lucci of Emmy nominations for sure. Episode 244. Why are you laughing? Because I said something before you even said I appreciate two- it. You, you say such nice things to me all the time. I'm not great with compliments. Thank you very much for whatever compliment you're going to send to me this segment, whatever mm-hmm. set of compliments, I'm thanking you in advance right now. So I, don't okay. for, so I don't forget to thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, the voice on this episode 244 of the latest politician from <laughs> Auburn, Washington. 
Get out the skeletons of her closet. I know, right? She mm-hmm. is running for what city council of Auburn, Washington? Is that right? That is correct, sir. Oh my God! Mm-hmm. Tracy Taylor goes from <laughs> traffic on. Channel 7, Channel 5, Channel... Were you ever on Channel 4? You weren't on Channel 4. No, I was never on Channel 4. All right. Mm -hmm. Traffic woman to the stars. Right. To city councilwoman of Auburn, Washington. I don't understand. Explain this to me. You know, when you just have this calling and this feeling that you need to do something better than yourself... That was my calling. That was my feeling. It was like, okay, I left TV. I wanted to do something different and politics. Here it is. So no. make my community better. No, this is not acceptable Why? because I have spoken to you. You say on the show twice. I thought it was three times twice. This is my third time on the show. Okay. I've yep. spoken to you twice on the show. Yep. I've texted with you countless other times. Many times, about yes. About lunch, about dinners, about yeah. getting together. And yet, things that you have never done, by the things way. Things that I have never done. I don't remember one text, one side comment, nothing about right. running for office in Auburn. So this whole, this is my calling. I left TV. I needed something different. This is what I am meant to do. All that is baloney snot. I want to <laughs> know what the hell happened. Something happened in your world that changed Tracy Taylor into this city council woman, soon mm-hmm. to be governor of the state of Washington. No, let's not go there. And not then, ready. And then president <laughs> of the United States of America. <laughs> what happened? All of a sudden, I look up on Twitter and it says, did you see who's running for city council of Auburn, Washington? I'm like, what? She never told me that. I know. And then you text me and you're like, what are you doing? Uh, what no. are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? So tell me the truth now. What happened that brought this upon you? I think a lot of this has to do with I am surrounded by some really powerful people, a lot of powerful women in office right now. And they really inspired me to do something about my community. I can complain all the time about things that are happening in my community, but why not be that change? Why not be that voice for the people that also have the same frustrations as myself? So why not step up and be their voice, you know? Don't give me that look. Don't give me that look. I'm looking at you because I'm trying to figure out whether this is bullshit or <laughs> this is true. I'm trying. No, to, I, I got the bullshit meter out and I'm trying to figure out what the know, hell happened? What happened? You, you know me too well to know that I'm not very good at bullshitting you. So that's one thing. Okay. I No, truly, I'm inspired by some of the women that I'm surrounded by every day. I mean, I work for Mayor Dana Ralph in Kent. Uh-huh. She is incredible. Everything about her is incredible. What she does with the city. And I've gotten to know Mayor Nancy Backus here in Auburn. And she's also extremely incredible in what she has done with this community. But there are certain things that just need a little help, a little change and somebody to voice them for them. I know. Right. What have you done with my (laughs) friend Tracy Taylor? You sound like you're totally giving me a campaign speech right now. Oh, I've got a lot of those. But I mean, I'm just saying (laughs) I can't believe this. But no, there's just a part of you that feels like you need to do something for the greater good, Uh. you know, And I really, truly do. I truly feel like the city that I live in right now could use a little voice. Okay, well, give me, 
Obviously, things are not going to your satisfaction in Auburn, Washington. I don't spend a lot of time in Auburn, Washington. Every once in a while, I drive through Auburn, Washington. I'm okay. probably going somewhere else. Isn't that what is the racetrack in Auburn, Washington? Yes. As a matter of fact, yes, we okay. do have them. All right. we have- <laughs> do you have any restaurants in Auburn, Washington? We have lots of restaurants in Auburn, Washington. But, Mitchie, a lot of my platform for this is yes. mo- moving forward is economic and community development. I think we have a downtown corridor that could use a little help. Working in the industry that we have been in for so long, I have a lot of really great connections and the ways to get companies to come and visit and take a look at what's available to them here in Auburn to really make our economy just boom a little bit more. COVID really did a number on everybody's community, but the downtown Auburn corridor is struggling. And and that's kind of where I'm I'm sitting. It's like, let's make this better and let's make it a place where our kids can go somewhere. You know, I want to in so many ways, give back to the community that gave me the best 25 years of my life. All right. So explain to me how the game works, because I don't know politics at all. How many chairs are there? How many members of the Auburn City Council are there? When seven. When is the vote? Who are you going up against? Are you up for one seat or is there a bunch of people for a bunch of different seats? And what can Mitch do over here in Bellevue underneath my desk to help you out. <laughs> and by the way, by having you on, am mm-hmm. I now obligated to have on whoever it is, whatever numbskull is running up against you? <laughs> I don't know if you're necessarily obligated. You can invite him to oh, be on your I podcast. I smell a debate. Mm, of course you do. Of course you do. Your experience, you did a Schmitty versus Tracy debate. That's going to take you places. Yeah, but that did not do me any good. <laughs> Listen, I'm not I'm not one to do a lot of confrontation. That's not how I roll. Yes, but, you um, do. Yes, that's exactly how you roll. No, I'm, okay. I'm a different person. So tell me how it works. <laughs> how many people on the city council, who are you running against? How do we vote? Or I guess I don't vote because I'm not a resident of Auburn. You're not a resident of Auburn. So how does it work? Tell me how the game's played. So obviously everybody's going to get a ballot, I believe, either end of September, first part of October. And then you have a certain amount of days to cast your vote and mail it in because it's all mail in. And um, yeah, so I have already moved on to the November election, not the August, because there is an August election for there's multiple seats that are up for election Mm -hmm. for the um, city council. And so some will happen this August and they'll narrow it down to two and then they move on to November. So how did you pass August? How'd you you pass go and collect $200 and get to (laughs) November? How did that happen? Because I went for the big guns. I am running against the incumbent. Oh, so yes. What is what is his or her name? His name is James J. Raj. James J. Raj. Mm-hmm. Okay. And he is the deputy mayor in the city of Auburn. And you're going after his seat? His seat. Oh. We don't like him a lot. He, he's the <laughs> opponent. Is he kind of like the 49ers? Do we not like him at all? Or No, I don't I don't really have any sort of feeling either way. Do you, you know, know what I mean? Him? It's do you- uh, not personally, no. Mm-mm. But I mean, I've I've met him before. I mean, here's a here's a fun fact. So there was a vacancy in the city council at the end of last year in December, and I applied for that. 
I moved on to the top five and interviewed in front of the city council back in February. And I did not. Yes. So I did not get that position, but it inspired me to go a little bit further and throw my hat in the ring. Why didn't you get that position? Who made that decision? Uh, The council did. So the council voted on who they wanted in that vacancy. Why didn't Tracy Taylor get that vacancy? I don't really know. I do know that the person that did get the position, she has a lot of really good ties to the community um, for the city of Auburn. She's also a lot to do with the, um, I think it's called the Auburn Downtown Partnership. So she's really familiar with a lot of the events and helps coordinate those. So she, and she also has personal ties to a lot of the city council members already. And you have no idea anything about this guy that you're running against the incumbent in terms of his platform or what he disagrees with you on? I mean, what are the issues? We really haven't. Um, I mean, we agree on a, a lot of the same things. Yes. Um, he is more towards affordable housing, which I agree with, too. He's also for public safety, which is another one of my platforms. I'm leaning more towards the economic and community development because that means more jobs. And I think that's what we need right now in downtown Auburn. But to bring more jobs would mean more housing, which would lead to more affordable housing. So we need to start somewhere. And I believe building up our economic and community development is the good start. And when you say he's the incumbent, how long exactly has he been a member of the city council? Four years. So he's already been, he's already done one term. People know him. People mm-hmm. have voted for him. Yes. This, this sounds like an uphill battle for my friend Tracy Taylor. So how do we make it a downhill battle for <laughs> Tracy Taylor? What do we do? What well, do we obviously, do? register to vote. Yeah, I really I highly, yeah, you can't, but anybody here in Auburn, uh, register to vote. Yeah. When that ballot comes, you know what to do and make sure you drop it in the box and um, and hopefully we will see you along the campaign trail. So. <laughs> Along the campaign. Will there actually be like debates and exchange of ideas and an opportunity for you to go against him in some sort oh, of I'm a pu- sure. in some sort of a public forum? I'm sure there is. I yeah. mean, I think that there will be some forums and yes, those will be um those will probably happen late summer, early fall, right before election. Wow. Um this yeah. is exciting. I'm, is it though? <laughs> I'm speaking to a true I'm nervous. <laughs> I'm speaking to a true I'm nervous talking to you. It's not why it's not the old Tracy Taylor. This is. Oh, no, I'm still the old Tracy Taylor. Listen, I haven't changed. I just want to do something better for my community. That's all. Okay. what are the chances you're going to win? Oh, gosh, I don't know. I would love to think that I would win. But I know I mean, I know what I'm against. You know what I mean? People are going to look at me and be like, oh, I mean, I've already had a few emails after announcing my run that were like, "Mm, you're the TV radio princess. What do you know about politics? You know, oh, you're just doing it because, you know, you want to stay, quote unquote, relevant. It's like, come on now. So a lot of people feel certain ways. Um, Yes, there has been many times that I've cried because of it. Because, yeah. Hold on a second. You're just now running and you've already started to cry over this thing? I know, right? Well, I mean, some people's words are, I don't know. I feel like the older you get, the harder and the harsher they become. 
I don't know. That's weird to me because I mean, I used to take a lot of heat being on your show for a long, long time and never bothered me. Let it go off your back. What I know. Since I when know. are you so sensey poo? <laughs> I think I've always been sensey poo. I yeah. just don't think that it's been, uh, I think it's a little more, I don't know. It hits a little more home. You know what I mean? Because yeah. people feel like now that I've left TV and radio, I'm just looking for a reason to stay in the quote unquote spotlight. That's not the case. Tra I just want to make my city better. Tracy. Mitchie. I'm going to bite my lip as I ask this question. Okay. Is your long time association with me going to help, going to hurt, or <laughs> not either neither a or b i don't know there's a part of me that thinks that you know people well people still can't let a lot of things go so let's just be honest there you're on here telling me you're running for city council that you're very excited that you really really want to win that you're going up against the incumbent of four years and that a former shtick that we did in good fun on our show Right. 25 years, 20 years ago is going to hurt about, you. And you want to yeah. know why I feel bad? Come on. I was 20 something years old. Come on. Let's just be honest. You know, I was 20 something years old. I just wanted to be a part of a show that, you know, you were human. You were Tracy. That's yeah. exactly to me. That's exactly the reason why they should elect you into the <laughs> city council because of the way you always have been both on radio and TV. I think it should help you. But what, am I, what do I know? I'm distorted. I guess I'm distorted. Are you setting me up to think that if you lose, it will be my fault? It is no. going to be your fault. Uh -huh. I'm going to put it all on you. Yep. All of it. Oh, boy. This is very exciting. Ladies and gentlemen, Tracy Taylor is running for office. I'm still a little bitter that you wouldn't tell me that you made me find out on Twitter. Really? I have to find these things out on Twitter. You went in front of the city council in February for an open seat. You didn't yeah. get it. You'll text me that you want to go have lunch. And when am I taking right. you to lunch? But you won't tell me that you tried to get into the city council of Auburn in February. It didn't work out. And now you're running again. I got to find out on Twitter. Yeah. You haven't taken me to lunch. <laughs> <laughs> would you have at least told me had I taken you to I lunch? I would have. Okay. Totally. I mean, well, I thought our friendship was good, but you still haven't taken me to lunch. And so I'm being yeah. punished. You are. I'm mm -hmm. being punished. Absolutely. All right. <laughs> I love you, Mitchie. <sighs> so November. Yeah. And what's going to happen between now and November? It's already Almost July. What's going to What's going to happen between now and November? I've got a couple of fundraisers planned or in the planning mode for yeah, that. Yeah. Um, you know, I would love some support for sure. If you want to come hang with Team Tracy, I would be happy to have you on board. Is that going to uh, help or hurt? If I hang with Team Tracy, that brings back the past again. Oh, my gosh. I need to get you a Tracy Taylor for council t-shirt is yes. what I need to get you. Yeah. Do you have one? I'm getting them made. Yeah. Oh, look how excited you are. Yes. I what, love that. Is it just going to be words? Is your picture going to be on it? No, and my picture is not going to be on, on anybody's chest. That's not going to happen. We're not going to do that. Okay. But it's very cool. I'm really proud of the logo, the team that created the logo. Um, they did a great job 
on my website too, Tracy for F O R Auburn.com, which I'm really proud of too. Um, Oh, there you are. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Meet Tracy over the past 20 years. I've worked hard as a news media professional specializing in traffic reporting in King County. I've had a fulfilling career as a reliable and familiar face in television and radio news, keeping people informed and connected throughout my tenure in the media industry. I worked with a lot of local governments and I understand how important the services and programs that cities provide are for the people that live there. That's why I began working in community engagement for local government in South King County. And as vice president of the Seattle animal shelter foundation, correct member of, are you making all this stuff up? And a member of the Auburn arts commission. I've also continued my passion of advocacy and making a positive impact. I've always had a passion for helping others and it's time to give back to the community that gave me so much. That's why now I'm dedicating myself to making our community, even a better place to live and work by addressing issues that we're all facing. I'm running for council to ensure Auburn residents and families feel safe and see our community continue to grow and thrive with new businesses, services, and amenities. I'm excited about the future of our city, and I'd be honored to have your support in this campaign. Oh, and one more thing. No longer will I ever root for Gonzaga or the weasel, Mark Few. I should have worn my Gonzaga t-shirt while I was doing this with you tonight, but I chose to wear my Food Fighters shirt instead just because I knew that you'd give me a bad time. Ladies and gentlemen, Tracy Taylor, come back on our show in a couple of months or in a month and a half. Get us updated. Get me a shirt. I'll take a picture. I'll put it on. I'll do whatever you want. Anything I can do to be a positive force in your run for city council. And if you make it, Mm -hmm. And then you become governor and then you become president of the United States. You can't like forget about your old friends. Never. You will always, always be the top of my list, Uh, Mitchie. Always. Tracy Taylor, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you, Trace. Thank you, Mitchie. It's been a while since my friend and Mitch Unfiltered partner, John Waterstrat, joined us. And there's good reason. He's been busy. An exciting major facelift to some of the fireside showrooms. How are you, J-Dub? I'm doing great, Mitch. Thanks for having me back. And yes, it, it has been busy. And we're excited to unveil some new, cool new projects. We have a new sales director that came along and he's been putting his footprint on the showrooms and we're excited about what he's doing. We're going to put some new fireplaces you've never seen before and then we're redoing our whole outdoor kitchen area. Wow. The fantastic flagship Bellevue location was already beautiful, so I can't wait to drop by and see it. So what's the rumor about some big project you're coming up, some enormous fireplace that you guys are ready to install. Yes, our commercial department's doing a fantastic job. And as we've talked about before, we can do almost anything in fireplaces and custom fireplaces are getting bigger and bigger. And we're hoping to uh, unveil the one of the largest fireplaces in North America. It's going to be pretty exciting stuff. How big? Roughly 25 feet. And you're not going to tell us where it is, but we'll be able to see it sometime? And we'll be able to see it and we'll talk about it. Yeah, it'll be exciting. Oh, that's yeah. going to be 
be fun. So now that we've reached, let's call it the off season for fireplace use, it's actually you and I talk about this. One of the better times of the year to start the process of redoing the fireplaces in your home or like you guys did for us, an outdoor unit. Yes. I mean, when the weather gets nice out there, things go a little bit faster. So we're not fighting the weather, whether we have to extract a fireplace, put a new one in. And then again, outside as well. When you're out there, we can get something done pretty quickly for you right now. And so when you're looking at the off season and you have a schedule and and you want to get something done quickly, it's the best time to do it. Yeah. Whether it's fireplaces or garage doors, begin your search at FiresideHomeSolutions.com. I'll bet you'll end your search there, too. It's sponsors like John and Fireside that make our shows and growing guest lists possible. Fireside Home Solutions and FiresideHomeSolutions.com. Unfiltered. Episode 244, the other stuff segment, Hot Shots Back, and there is an update. Yes. It happened between segment one and all of the interview subjects, which Scott, I'll have you think, takes five hours (laughs) to do. Yes. You've actually heard from Willis Reed's father? Yes, that is correct. While you were recording episode 244, Willis Reed's father reached out? Well, because I said earlier about that letter or note or whatever that was sent about respectfully requesting no attention to the pitcher during the game. Yes. So I want to make sure if that was true or not. Wouldn't you want to make sure that was true before you said it? I said alleged. (laughs) I said it's not my drama. I'm just hearing shit. Danny O'Neill, newspaper guys would tell you, hotshot, here's how you do this. Yeah. You do that work before you go on the on the show with it. Oh, where'd that get Danny? <laughs> um, yes, on our show. <laughs> it got him right where you are. That's true. Uh, he uh, said yes. That is true. He said it could have been a text though, but they did ask that. You know, he it, no it, medical attention. Yes. to Willis Reed during the game. That's right. And the dad said uh, it's a bit petty. Don't want to make sure that knee tape is okay. What what would be the grounds for asking for no medical attention? I don't understand that. Even if she thought she was going to not pitch, even if they thought that they were going to have to pitch a third pitcher and she wasn't going to be able to go, she went out, she tried, whatever. Even if they were playing, even if the whole thing was bullshit and they were playing with the minds of 11 and 12-year-olds like accused, (laughs) even if that was the case, on what grounds would she not be able to have medical attention? Well, you're asking me? You're going to yeah. have to ask your buddy. What the hell do I know? I think it's the most insane thing I've ever heard. I mean, I literally saw a kid get carted out of a game for heat stroke a few weeks ago in Wenatchee, unconscious. But there must be grounds like, for on. that. Well, Why can't you, you know, massage the knee between uh, innings? I don't know. That's a great does question. She, does she have to sit in the corner of the dugout and nobody can talk to that's her? That's right. God forbid a kid gets medical help during the game. We, that we can't have. We can't have 12-year-olds getting medical attention oh, of any Jesus. kind. All right. Because they're, you know, they're not confident that they could win. With her healthy. All right, stump the band, Hotshot. Yes. There's only one man in the history of hoops. Let's go from softball to hoops. Let's go. To win both as a coach, the NBA title and the NCAA college basketball champion. Only one guy. Pete Carroll. We're talking basketball. We are, okay. Only one guy that's ever coached a team to the NBA title and coached a college team to the NCAA title. Only one guy. The the room, the meeting room for that is one. Kind of a boring party, huh? Yeah. What if I told you that the answer to the question is about to become an assistant coach at the University of Washington? I kid you not. Really? (laughs) An assistant? Huh. That's interesting. 
Does the name Larry Brown mean anything to you? Larry Brown. I think I could have got that. Yeah. The 1988 Kansas Jayhawks. Yeah. That's Danny and the Miracles. Danny Manning, Kevin Pritchard, Mark Randall. Remember that team? Sure. Scooter Barry was on that team, I think. He also coached the 2004 Detroit Pistons to the NBA title with Chauncey Billups and Rip Hamilton and Ben Wallace and Rasheed Wallace. Nice guy, Rasheed Wallace. Yeah. Remember? They beat Shaq and Kobe in the NBA Finals. He's 83, I think, years old. He's joining Mike Hopkins. <laughs> What's so weird? Is he 83? He's won 1,300 games in the NBA and ABA, and this is his 17th stop. Jeez. He's, played, he's coached in 17 places. His name always came up for every job, right? Just Larry Brown. Like Isn't it going to be just perfect to look at the sidelines at Heckhead, Alaska <laughs> Airlines, and see Larry Brown sitting next to... <laughs> Right, it's so weird. Sit next to Mike Hopkins. That's the rumor. I don't even think it's a rumor. It's a report that I think it's going to happen. I don't know if it's a done deal yet. I don't know if it's a done deal yet, but anyway, Larry Brown. Are are, are we going to avoid the whole submarine talk? I know that's captured the We can talk about it. I don't... I haven't followed it as closely, so I'm a little uncomfortable talking about it. I mean, I know the 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 the, the bare facts, but yeah. I don't really know the story. I haven't been like reading every article like everybody else, but we could talk about it. Well, I mean, it's it's horrendous. Do we want to bum everybody out no, about this? No, we don't have to. It's so, but like, I, I was obsessed with it. Like, I, oh, you were. See, a lot of people were, and I wasn't. So it was I, just... I felt like I came late to the party, but I've been trying to catch up a little bit. Didn't we once talk about how? The state of Wow, or like the the Northwest sticks its nose into like national news stories. Uh, Yeah, you you can't get away from the Northwest. The submarine was built in Everett, Washington. I was just there. Of course it was, (laughs) right? The Northwest always sticks. I was just there. Oh, that's so awful. The submarine, they they lost, it's about a two hour, two hour, you know. Journey down. Descend, journey down to the Titanic. Yes. Um, About an hour and a half in, they lost communication with the sub. Right. And that's all they know. So they spent. Well, like, I thought it imploded. Well, they spent died. days and days looking for it. They actually thought they heard them banging on it, wanting to look for help. Aren't and, there stories about people who were supposed to be on it and then yeah, turned it down yep, because yep. the sun Those was scared? Out. Well, the sun didn't want to go. Sun didn't want to go. But it was Father's Day. And so he thought, you know, it was like a Father's no, Day. You're thing. talking about the son that w- was on the. It was on it. I'm yeah. talking about another father's son who was supposed to be on it. Yeah, those are coming out like crazy. And a lot didn't of go. Yeah. He's a billionaire in Las Vegas or something. Yep. yep. And his yeah, son so. did some research. And yeah, was like, so, no, no, I'm not, not going not, on that. No and he, way. And he thought it was ridiculous. And he was sending texts back and forth to somebody like yep. who ran the mission or something. Yeah. Terrible. The whole thing is Terrible. just absolutely horrendous. It's like the worst nightmare you could come up with being stuck at the. What, are they two and a half, how many miles down were they? I don't they? have any idea. Like 13,000 or something? I don't have any idea. And you're stuck in there in this little thing, and eventually it's just going to implode. And it did. I mean, it's just, the mm. whole thing is just, it, yeah, it's crazy. It kind of reminds me a little of what, like, Elon Musk and everybody are doing with the space Exactly thing. right, yes. All yep. these celebrities are going up on these commercial spaceships. Yep. And if one would have a disaster and For, somebody would, yeah. Forget it, right? Kind of I mean, like, it's kind of like this, right? Oh my gosh. Terrible, it's terrible. so yeah. awful, that story. Yeah, let's move along. Okay. What do you want to talk about next? You want to talk about um, the 25 runs that the Angels scored in Colorado on Saturday? I did see that, yes. They scored 23 runs in the first four innings. <laughs> really? In the first four? <laughs> God. The Colorado manager came out and called for Willis Reed to come out. (laughs) She she got a couple innings left. She could probably go. Just a bad kneecap. Oh, my God. A fake bad kneecap. That's right. Yes, very fake. A fakey. How about Aaron Judge's little toe or big toe, as the case may be? What's going on there? He's got a torn ligament in his big toe. 
of his right foot. Okay. It's very painful to walk. He has not played in the last like couple of weeks. And now it's looking less and less like he will be available for All-Star Tuesday, which is just uh, now right around the corner here yeah. in Seattle. Anybody going to miss him? Well, yeah, Do you, you care? Wanna, yeah, yeah, you you want to see Aaron him? Judge? Of course, I'm sure. Yeah, you want to see him. Reigning MVP of the American League? I've may not play in the All-Star. I used to make fun of people with toe injuries like in football and stuff and, until you get one. It hurts. I'm going through this with the oh. guy in there right now. He's got a bro, he's got a fractured pinky along the growth plate of his going tomorrow for another X-ray. And everybody's like, pinky. I can I can see when people say, How's Brett doing? Yeah. I can kind of see in their eyes, they're like, Why is he not playing? He's got a broken pinky. Well, the doctor, the orthopedic guy said, no, you're not playing right. with a broken pinky. You got a fracture across the growth plate right here. That's no good. He says, we got to wait till it heals at least a little bit before you can get back out there. So he's out there. He's got no, you don't have a cast on a finger, so it doesn't look right. scary or gruesome. <laughs> right. But he's not playing. It. He's like, why is Brett not playing? Uh, turns out you need all your appendages. Well, you probably don't. <laughs> Ronnie Lott, I told That's Brett, true. just get the thing lopped oh. off. This is a big tournament in Burlington, Washington. Get the thing lopped yeah, off. Let's go. It's, he got it lopped off for the Super Bowl. This is as big as the Super Bowl, isn't it? Just if get it. Willis Reed can get her ass out there. Wait, come on. You can get out there and play a that little a, bit. That's different. That was fake. Yeah, that's true. I forgot about that. Willie McGinnis has been sued yet oh, I can't, again. I can't. Oh. Every time I turn around, that guy is in more and more trouble. I mean, this guy's alleging... Is it all, is it all from the same incident? No, where he, uh, no it's a different, different one. Different one, yeah. Yeah, so I guess this guy was at, at the weight room at a, a 24-hour fitness or whatever, and, you know, he's walked over, and the guy said, hey, I, I wasn't done with that weight. Someone took... And Willie McGinnis, for some reason, heard it, and he said to the guy, the fuck you mean? And then here we go, yeah, the fight. And yeah, then the he fights. said three guys jumped on him and dropped, like, 30 bombs on his head and his neck. And oh. Like, what is it with Willie McGinnis and beating the shit out of people in a group though like if you want to fight someone go why do you need your buddies to jump in too? by it's the so way weird. i should have jumped in the last story and told you that your hero the guy you love to talk about on this particular podcast he's had problems with his toes and legs and feet colorado football coach Dion sanders says he's feeling a little better did you have been following the yeah, surgery the blood clot blood clots in his legs and his feet those are scary Under, he had a big blood clot in his thigh they got it out i had some below my knee he says they got him out they've already amputated toes he's already had toes amputated. really yeah oh, i didn't know that And there was a report last week that not only are his toes amputated that they might have to take his foot off but he said no wow. he had he had all this surgery he had previously called it life-threatening situation a couple of years ago all these uh these blood clots that he's developed i don't know why or how or what comes to be i mean well, think about Deion sanders when you think about Deion sanders like only bo jackson to me right yeah you get probably one and two yeah 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 yeah, those blood clots, they zip right, they can zip right into your heart or your yeah, lungs in there. It's it's no. life-threatening. He's no. right. Let me tell you about uh, high school golfer Landon Gilmore. Can I tell you about Landon Gilmore? You can. I love this story. You know it already. Of course, yes. From Bloomington, Indiana. Yes. His first name on his birth certificate is Landon. Mm -hmm. But nobody calls him Landon. Correct. Since he was a little boy, they call him Happy. Yes. Happy Gilmore. Mm -hmm. He's one of the top high school golfers in the state of Indiana. He committed to play golf at Ball State on the college level. And he just got a tweet last week from none other than Adam Sandler saying, <laughs> go go get him, Happy Gilmore, pulling for you. <laughs> yeah, and then the kid said, I think he goes, uh, I think my life's complete now after getting yes. that tweet. <laughs> when asked about whether there's extra expectations being named Happy Gilmore, yeah. he said, quote, I don't think it adds any pressure to me. 
But I do know that whatever I do is going to be seen, especially as far as leaderboards. When people are scrolling down and I see Happy Gilmore, they're going to look at it, obviously. So I know that. But don't let it get in my head. I have to play good. Got to play my best golf. I'm just going to go out and do my thing. Yeah. Well, that's a good attitude. Happy Gilmore. Love it. And then there's, there's a there's an account, a Twitter account called Shooter McGavin. Yes. He had to chime in he as well. In <laughs> so funny. Hey, Kevin Costner's uh, estranged wife. Remember, she's leaving him. I've got it on my list. Oh, do you? Yeah, go ahead. How she much does she to... ask? How much does she need? How much does she need for the kids for each month? Nearly a quarter of a million dollars a month to care for their two hundred forty-eight thousand dollars <laughs> a month. She claims that the uh, the eye popping amount is the only way Christine and the children can live at a standard somewhat approaching the standard the children will be enjoying while in Kevin's care. Yes. So she wants equal. You know, she doesn't want to well, be in a hovel, and then they go to dad's house, and it's a palace, right? Well, so. well. well. There's a PS to this story. She's asking for two hundred and forty-eight thousand. Yeah, who is per month? Who isn't? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and when people said that's crazy. Yeah. You don't need two hundred and fifty thousand dollars a month for child support. She said, "quote through her attorney, the amount actually needed to maintain the children's current lifestyle is three hundred and thirty-two thousand." <laughs> $264 a month. So we're giving him a break. <laughs> what a deal. <laughs> Kevin's getting a break wow. on the deal. Yes. I mean, she did say that his income last year was $19.5 However, he makes that. Who knows? You know, but their expenses, she claims, were $6.6 6 So Kevin clearly thinks the money has nothing to do you with You keep going support. to Din Tai Fun and Tiger, yeah. then you're going to need $250,000. You are not lying. That's yeah. right. Uh, former NFL linebacker Bill Romanowski is in the news. He is. Spitting he on is. someone or no? He did that. Okay. He's already accomplished that. That's a, that's a check mark. Okay. He's been sued by the Department of Justice Tax Division, alleges he owes more than $15 million in back taxes Jeez. and other penalties. It turns out that Bill and Julie Romanowski didn't pay taxes from 1998 to 2007. How does that work? I always wonder how that works. I just decided not to pay. He was currently play at the time he was playing with the Denver Broncos and the Oakland Raiders. He was making good money then I think too, right? Yeah. He was like a maybe like pro bowler or Yeah. Yeah, he was a good player. Well, he was obviously making enough to have a 15 million dollar tax. Yeah, that's debt. true, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So they're uh they're suing him. They also claim the justice uh the Justice Department also claims Jeez. that uh, Romanowski's, instead of paying their tax bill, they've been after them to pay these taxes for years, obviously. Okay. The Justice Department claims that they've been using corporate funds from their nutrition business, <laughs> N53, to pay, quote, rent, appointments at nail, hair, and spa salons, <laughs> plastic surgery, chiropractic appointments, God. pet food, mm. and groceries. By using N53, this is Justice Department talking, by using N53 to pay for personal living expenses and those of their adult children too, the Romanowskis have improperly used N53 to thwart the IRS's collection of the individual income tax assessments at issue in this case. N53, in case you don't know about N53, it offers both fat-burning meal replacements oh. and collagen products that claims to produce beautiful skin, lush hair, and strong nails. Now, I don't care about the hair. I don't care about the skin. And I don't care about the fat-burning meal replacements. Yeah. But if I could have strong nails. <laughs> it would be awesome, wouldn't it? God. Snake oil. Holy crap. I mean, he seems like a nice guy, though. I'm yeah, sweetheart of a yeah, Just who you want to go out to dinner with. Surprised by this. He might have been the guy at uh, the Redmond 
restaurant yes. a couple of weeks if ago. If you heard he did something like that, you'd be like, yeah, Maybe his sense. gun was the one that went off. I a don't pair know. of Nova Scotia men unofficially broke a Guinness World Record by golfing more than 290 holes in 12 hours. Oh, that's a lot of holes. Uh, in 12 hours? 12 yeah. hours. The speed at which they are doing this, they are not stopping for two seconds, April Powers events manager said. <sighs> they ended up doing 306 holes in the allotted time. So evidence from the feet still has to be reviewed by Guinness and all that. But 200 or 306 holes in 12 hours. Let's play a little game, Jeez. Hotshot, called What Was the Deal Breaker in the House Sale? Okay, I'm ready. Because I think it was you who brought to the show a couple of weeks ago or months ago that Sylvester Stallone many months ago sold his $58 million house to... Yeah. Do you recall who you said? Somebody famous bought... Adele, maybe? Adele is correct. Okay. $58 million in Beverly Hills. We found out a little bit more about that purchase. Okay. As it turns out, Adele went to look at it. The number was $58 million. But there was a deal-breaking item that Rocky was going to take out of the house to his next place, a personal item, that she said, you take that out of the house, no sale. What was it? It's got to be the statue of Rocky. It has to be, right? Yeah. Why do I love Adele more now? I'm kind of with her. If you're going to spend that money on Rocky's, or, you know, you got to have the statue. I would have never thought Adele, I would have thought Adele would be like, get that thing out of here. I agree with you. I don't want Rocky over my pool. I'm surprised she knows who Rocky is, honestly. She was like, seriously ready to walk away from the sale (laughs) if he didn't leave that fucking Rocky. (laughs) Now I love her more. I do. Yeah. Like if I had to bet my life on whether she gave a shit or not, Uh. and he left it. Of course he did. Take that 58, 58 million. million? Yeah. Said, I'll get another one. I'll get another one, Bill. You That's know? exactly you right. Know? Get... Your buddy Maury Povich, I know you love him. Yeah, I love Maury. He's Povich. taking his shtick to the next level, launching a DNA paternity test company, offering at home testing services for families in search of answers. You know, yeah. he's famous for announcing the results of paternity tests on his. That's what his show has become. You are not the fun. The guy's <laughs> celebrating. <laughs> He's dancing, you know, the whole thing. <laughs> he said it was a no-brainer for him to partner uh, with an, an at-home DNA paternity test. So there you go, right. if you need one. I got a few more, and then we can do RIPs. I'll okay. do them quick. You know about popular streamer XQC? Do you know anything about this guy? No. He's leaving Twitch for kick. Do you know Twitch? Do you know kick? Or am I just speaking to a wall right now? Well, I don't know anything about this I do guy. know Twitch because I did work for a video game that streamed on it. So okay. yes. Okay, so I kind of know Twitch too. I don't right. know what kick is. I guess kick is a competitor of Twitch. Probably. I He's never leaving Twitch. His contract at kick is going to be worth $100 million over the next two years. God. His agent says this is more than most professional athletes and megastars get. This is one of the highest deals in entertainment period. I don't know what it is that XQC does on Twitch or now kick, but apparently he's 27 years old. He's from Quebec, Canada. And the reason he's leaving Twitch is because they take 50% of streamers earnings from subscriptions on Twitch. Really? While kick only takes 5%. 50% on Twitch? This is what the article says. Wow. Please don't ask me to verify it. Yeah. I'll call Danny O'Neill. I, I don't know. That's I have no crazy idea. if that's true. I didn't a, know it was that high. A disgruntled Georgia auto repair shop owner okay. is in trouble because he retaliated against a former employee by paying him the $1,000 that he owed him in. Yeah, we, we did this story. He, he dumped the pennies in his driveway. Yeah. Dirty, oily pennies. Yep. 
We did this story? Yep. All right. But but no, there's an update, right? Yeah, there's an update. Yeah, go ahead. Give the he's update. Been, he's been uh, sued, and now he owes $40,000 yep. in back wages and liquidated damages. And Had he just paid it, him, I think, the right way. The would, right way. Would Give have him $1,000 cash. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken, he dumped them on his driveway. They, were, spe- <laughs> they were especially oily and dirty. Yeah. I kind of like that. <laughs> Former eight is enough child star. We talked about this many yeah. months ago. Adam Rich died. You could probably guess what, what the word is. Yeah. Fentanyl again. Correct. Fentanyl overdose. Far too common. In and then country. I got RIPs. Dick Hall, the dependable reliever, who was 92 years old. He was on World Series winning teams with the Baltimore Orioles. His nickname was Turkey. Uh, do you know who Big Pokey is? The rap singer Big Pokey? Some Houston-based rap singer died at 45? Yeah, I saw that. Collapsed I, on stage? Yeah, it sucks. Ooh. Yeah, there was a lot of that on Twitter going An on. An Oscar-nominated actor, Frederick Forrest, yeah. 86 years old, was with Bette Midler in The Rose, 1979. Also was in Acopolypse Now. Do I have that? Apocalypse. Yeah, that, Apocalypse that, that sounds now. more like it. The Oscar nominated... <laughs> yeah, he first Acopolypse. hit it big in, in 79 when he scored the part of... Jay Chef Hicks. That's right. In Apocalypse right. Now. But yeah, yeah. I, I actually like The Rose. I think it's Apocalypse a great movie. Now. But he was in a ton of stuff. Okay. Bunch of movies. Uh, let's see. We got Terry Price. This is kind of a sad one. The Texas A&M defensive ends yes. coach. Yes. 55 years old. Man. Yeah. 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 He was uh, coaching his alma mater since 2012. He was one of the best. He was actually ranked as one of the top 25 recruiters in the nation by rivals. He recruited Miles Garrett and Dalen Mack and all these studs. Yep. So yep. rest in peace to him at 55. That's my last one. All right. You got any headlines for us to take us out? Police arrested a man for shoplifting in Target. And while placing him in the car, a stolen pink vibrator fell out of his pant leg that was was later revealed to have been stolen from Target. I think we all have the same reaction when hearing this story. Target sells vibrators? <laughs> really? Where? The world's largest kidney stone has been oh. removed from a patient in Sri Lanka. Yeah. It's about the size of a grapefruit. Oh, my God. As long as a banana and as heavy as four hamsters. Four hamsters? That's nothing, said Richard Gere. I knew that was coming. You saw that coming? I saw that a mile away. I know who our audience is, and I they're all old enough, I think, to understand that reference. And if they're not, <laughs> good for you. And don't Google it. No. Protesters dropped their pants to protest climate change. I said don't Google it. <laughs> Protesters dropped their pants to protest climate change outside of the Massachusetts State House. If climate change is causing people to drop their pants, screw the polar bears. And finally... Could have gotten Richard Gere in there, too. (laughs) A Virginia woman says she tried to conceive a baby with her incarcerated fiancé after he sent her his sperm in a plastic sandwich bag from behind bars. Sent her his sperm in a plastic garbage bag. Uh, Like a sandwich bag. Sandwich bag. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Not exactly what Ziploc had in mind with their grab-and-seal technology. It's so gross. Imagine receiving that. Oh, God. I can't believe that's true, but it, she's on TikTok talking about it. It's got like millions of views. And are you really allowed to send bodily fluids out of a prison in mail? In the mail? That can't be what right. What if it was just delivered by accident to the neighbors oh, by mistake? Of course. <laughs> like, oh, God. The worst tapioca uh, ever. Oh. I mean, yeah. I can't believe that story's true. Uh. And the show has reached a new low. How much do I have to pay you? Yes. For you to, on your car, do the ghost Sammamish Little League softball and put number 24, my favorite first baseman, number 24 on on the car. We still have Issaquah shit on our car that I can't get off. <laughs> I don't think I can do some damage, too. There's literally a couple stickers that I can't get off and say Issaquah All-Stars on them. Episode 244, ladies and gentlemen. 
one word to say. Sorry. <laughs> In the book. <laughs>